The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Friday Eve, as we like to say. What is up, D-Gun? D-Gun, Rob Ellis, Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. How you doing, my man? You know what's up, my brother? Hey, what happens one week from today? The NFL season starts. Yeah, baby. Amen. Oh. Amen. Amen to that. Yes, we are a week away. Kansas City, oh my goodness. Can't come soon enough, man. Can't. I think everybody would agree. What's up, Eric? What's up, JM? What's up, Dion? Father Sean? Jim G, Anthony, what's up, Fitness Rebel? What is up, Rome V? What is up, Chuck? What's up, Brandon? Hope you guys are doing great, great today. Uh, good to see you as always. Yeah, Mr. Taz, I'm with you, man. Let's go. Let's go. We're getting yeah, there. What's, what's up with this? Fitness Rebel, D Gun owes us $5 late fee. Hey, I wasn't late. I was here. And your, <laughs> your boy, Father Sean, D Gun stumbling around with his walker? Wow. What? Really, Father take, Sean? You really want taking shots yeah. already? Jeez, yeah. What's going on here? That's a Rob Ellis special right there. That's right, man. That is unbelievable. Man. What's up, Carl? What's up, Twiz? Uh, man Bar. I uh, hope everybody's doing well out there. We appreciate you guys hanging out with us. Yeah, you're right. All right, let me give you the Eagles countdown. Then let's talk about the fact that we actually have football in a week. What's up, Mood Swing Bella? Um, so, Derek, we're 10 days. 10 days. AKA 244 hours and 25 minutes until kickoff of the Eagles season. And it can't come soon enough, man. It cannot come soon enough. But, yes, we do have actual football. I, it, it's fun just to start looking ahead now. I looked at the schedule before we uh, before we popped on uh, of what we have. Let me give you 
Let's let's do this for a second. Let me give you the schedule for week one. Because I know we've done this before, but you tend to forget what, what some of the matchups are. All right. So Thursday night, the, the game you're referencing, Derek, one week. Lions-Chiefs. Yep. Lions-Chiefs, okay? Then, let me, let me, I'll, give, I'll run through the whole schedule, then we'll, we'll, we'll pick out the ones that we like the best. Uh, the Panthers and the Falcons. I'm giving you the one o'clocks now. Bengals-Browns. I like that we're coming out early with the Battle of Ohio right there. That's yeah, man. oh man, that's that's uh, bragging rights already. Yeah, that that's I like that week one. Uh, Jacksonville uh, against Indy, Tampa, Minnesota, Titans, Saints, 49ers, Steelers, Cardinals, and the Commanders, Texans, and the Ravens. Then we dip into the four twenty fives, Packers. Bears, Raiders, Broncos, Eagles, Patriots, Dolphins, Chargers. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Rams, Seahawks, Cowboys, Giants is the Sunday night game. And then the Monday night game is the Bills at Aaron Rodgers and the Jets. All right, let's go through the good ones. I just mentioned the Battle of Ohio. That's great. That's insane. I'm up for the, for the Titans and, and the Saints. That's going to be a fun one at 1 o'clock. I can't believe you said that because that's the one I'm looking at first. Well, Cincinnati, you know, Deshaun Watson and, and possibly Joe Burrow. That's, yeah. that's, you know, depending on whether Joe Burrow, Burrow is healthy. That's an intriguing one. And, and But but when you said Tennessee, I'm thinking, okay, Ryan Tannehill, um, but you got DeAndre Hopkins, you know, uh, and the Saints. You got Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm, I'm sorry, you got Derek Carr. Yep. Um, I'm, in, I'm always interested in seeing if Michael Thomas is all the way back. Yeah. You know, that that's going to be a fun one. But you know what? If you want to just the old-fashioned backyard, you know, knuckle brawl, San Francisco at Pittsburgh, are you kidding me? Yeah. that That's the – I think that's the highlight game at 1 o'clock. I, I would go that game. I'd go Bengals-Browns, and then i go Titans-Saints. I agree. Okay. Yeah, and they're your, they're your great 1 o'clock. But then, I mean, Eagles – you know, take our interest out of this thing. Eagles and Patriots is, is an interesting game. You get the runner up Super Bowl team against, you know, yep. Belichick making some changes in the offseason. And then, you know, Miami and the Chargers that's is a great one. Yes. That's going to be a track meet. Yeah. That's going to be fun. And then Sunday night, man, you know, Cowboys, Giants, you know, with the, with the oh, history of those two teams. Always a grudge match. Now, my sentimental favorite, obviously, is Green Bay at Chicago. You have right. Justin Fields, who's younger than Jordan Love, but has more starts than Jordan Love, against Jordan Love, who's taking over for the Hall of Fame quarterback and Aaron Rodgers. You know, I just uh, just saw yesterday where the Packers GM talked about, you know, Green Bay has the youngest roster in the NFL this year. And the GM said, we weren't trying to get younger. We were trying to get faster and more athletic. And, and I've told you all summer, I said, this is the most speed I've seen them have a wide out in decades. Yeah. You know, in terms of just young speed. I would argue, like, their guys could run a 40 time probably better than any other receiving core. Right? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. But I don't know. Miami with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle might be a push. Okay. I don't know. You know. Yeah. Um, but but that's going to be interesting because, you know, Justin Hills now has, has – has, Justin Fields now has a primetime wide receiver – They've spent money on defense in Chicago. Um, Green Bay is a complete transformation now. New quarterback, new direction. Yeah. But when I look at this Vegas-Denver game, 
you got Jimmy Garoppolo and Sean Payton taking over in Den- Denver. What is that Denver offense going to look like under Sean Payton? Uh, I, that's I, I would say, Derek, of any any of sort of the mystery you know, questions that we go into the season with. Like, we don't know what any of the rookie quarterbacks are going to look like or, or right. any of that, right? But I would say more of any storyline that I'm I'm so fascinated to see what it looks like, it's Denver. I want to see if it was a total blip on the radar with Russell Wilson, if it really was that bad under Hackett, if, if Sean Payton does have that, that magic touch the second he walks into that door and gets them going. Because all of a sudden, if that's the case, you know, that division's – a, a war. I mean, you, you're yeah. talking about the Chiefs and and the Raiders, who aren't a bad team, and then the Chargers too to go along with the Broncos. But yeah, that's a that's a great one. I mean, I, I, about about 15 minutes ago, I saw a clip. Um, Darren Sproles was on Kay Adams' show. Yes, and, up, uh, up in Adams. Yep. Yeah, up in Adams, and she was talking about how she had recently been at the Denver camp, and Sean Payton Pay- was just talking glowingly about Darren Sproles. You know, Darren Sproles had some of his better years down in New Orleans. Yeah. And so she said, what did you like most about a Sean Payton offense? And he talked about how he's so creative and unpredictable with his offense and that how it changes. You know, you might run the same play five times with five different variations of the play. So with all the talent they have in Denver and Sean Payton now orchestrating that offense, I expect this Denver offense to look a lot different than what it looked under uh, Nathaniel Hackett last year. Now, you look at Vegas, and, you know, Josh McDaniels has a lot to prove. He's under fire in Vegas after one year. Mm-hmm. Now you got a new quarterback. You don't have Derek Carr as your buffer anymore. It's Jimmy Garoppolo, that guy, to keep that thing moving in a positive direction with that guy named Devontae Adams on the outside. That's that's huge. That's huge. You know, and then, and then you slip down to the Miami Chargers game. Well, you got Justin Herbert's under a lot of pressure. He's not a highest-paid player in the NFL. Tua wants to get paid, okay? You got two athletic quarterbacks, two teams full of talent on both sides of the football, two teams that are playoff caliber teams. It's going to be a shootout out west. That's going to be a shootout. And then, of course, come bring it back to the NFC East. Giants and Cowboys hate each other. Yeah. You know, we always, we always talk jokingly about how, how much Eagles fans hate Dallas. But Dallas doesn't feel the same way about the Eagles fans but they have genuine hate towards the Giants. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. You know, And then, of course, how do you cap off the first week any better than the future Hall of Famer, Aaron Rodgers, and all this talent they have with the Jets and all the hype on hard knocks they've been talked about since it was consummated that Aaron Rodgers was going to the Jets against Buffalo. And Josh Allen came out this spring and said, I'm looked at the film. I know what I need to improve on. I know how much I need to get better to get back to what I was in 2021. You know, and it's a division game on top of that. And both teams are going to be scrapping for that division lead mm-hmm. every week. Dude, you couldn't put a better first week together. Uh, it's it's going to be awesome. It, it's going to be awesome. And, and look, that's the best thing about the NFL, man. I mean, there, there's rarely a week. Like a lot of times, look, I'm the biggest college football fan you'll find. But there's times where you just look at the, the entire card and it's like, uh, okay, uh, Alabama's playing, you know, the, the little sisters of the poor. And then, like, you're like, okay, we, we know what this is going to be. With the NFL, there's always three or four at least that you can pick out and, and find just intriguing matchups.
but there's there's been so many things that have happened over the course of this offseason NFL wise with new faces in different places. You know, like we said earlier with the rookies, just seeing how like I, I'm curious how B. John Robinson is going to perform. Like there's right. so many different things that I can't wait to see once the season gets rolling. I really can't. It's going to be awesome. I, yeah. I, I'm so excited, man. I'm so glad we're really in like legitimately a week going like like today is considered the Eagles last practice before it's game week. Like the, yeah. the way they work that. So, but anyway, it, it's going to be awesome, man. See, see when, the, when the NFL implemented parity in, in free agency way back when, you know, what they wanted to do was create more balance across the league. Mm-hmm. And I think this year in particular, this league is so balanced. You know, it's unbelievable, you know, um, especially with the moving and the shaking of all the different primetime players going elsewhere. And of course the Colts don't even have their primetime player. He's on the pup lift, yeah. pup list and Jonathan Allen. Okay. Right. So I, I just think the parody this year is so intriguing week to week. It's not even funny. I, yeah. I just, I just can't wait. You know, then you, when you get to the thick of the season, it's not just Sunday, Monday, Thursday night football. Then you throw a Friday in there. Then you, in December, you start throwing a Saturday, Saturday, Sunday games in there. You know, it just gets better and better, man. Yeah. When you say December, teams jockeying for a position for playoff positioning is going to be wild this year. Yep. It is. It is. There are going to be so many different divisions. I mean, from the NFC East to the AFC East, from the AFC North to the, the AFC West. I mean, there are going to be so many battles. There are going to be a lot of good teams, Derek, that don't make yes. the playoffs. Like teams that in other years easily would have got in, or if they were in a different division, would easily get in. But it ain't going to happen this year. You could have 10 win teams, 11 win teams maybe in some cases, not get in. That's a possibility. And teams that got in the playoffs last year may not get in this year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I, no doubt. Yeah, because uh, we've, we've talked about this. I don't think the Giants get in the playoffs this year, to be honest. Yep. Based on their schedule, and that's not a knock against them. It's just that the schedule, the strength of schedule, I think is going to stonewall them from getting to the playoffs. To be honest with you, I, I, yeah. I think you, uh, I think you could be right there. You know, and and you know, you're not sneaking up on anybody. I think there's going to be more pressure on Daniel Jones, even though he still got Saquon Barkley, even though he has Darren Waller. I think there's going to be a little bit more heat. You just signed a big contract too, so the expectation level is high. So there's a yeah. lot, yeah. a lot there, man. There, there's a lot there, and and you have other divisions that I think are really uh, pretty wide open, like. You know, the NFC North, I, you know, the Vikings, are they going to be good enough defense defensively? You know I think the Packers are going to be better than some people are saying. Lions have some pressure on them because there are expectations now for them. Yeah. Then, then you go over to the South, New Orleans. They have, you know, uh, added Derek Carr to that equation. You have Atlanta, who made a lot of moves in the offseason. Now Desmond Ritter in his second year. All right, let's see what you got, Desmond Ritter. Um, you know, what happens in – God, we could jump around all different. Can can Tennessee rebound? You know, yep. is Jacksonville really the real deal? Like, I mean, they, they were scorching hot to close out the year, but can they do it? Seven and two to close out the year to get in the playoffs. Yeah, right. Yeah, can all those things happen? And Tennessee collapsed. You know, as much as Jacksonville went this way, Tennessee went into the tank. So all of those things, because I think it's I think it's a make or break for uh, for Vrabel. I think they uh, have to I make the playoffs for Vrabel to survive. I, the only thing that saves him is if they have mass injuries, you know, then you've got a built in, you know, you've got a built in buffer of an excuse as to why you didn't get to the playoffs. If, if you lost, lost Derrick Henry, 
and DeAndre Hopkins, you know, and Traylon Burks, you know, you got a built-in excuse. Right. Yeah. Because when you look at that firepower on paper that they have, they didn't have much of a passing game, especially after Traylon Burks got hurt. You know, they and now that you add DeAndre Hopkins to the, the equation, and as bad as they were offensively, look at how many yards Derrick Henry ru- still rushed for last year. Yeah. Okay. So now I expect Tennessee to be a more balanced attack, you know, this year. Yep. And if they're more balanced attack, I think it's going to make Tannehill a better quarterback as well. All right. Let, let's. So uh, it, real quickly, if we went through hot seats, I would say, I would say Vrabel. Yep. I would say Stefanski. Josh McDaniels. Uh, Josh McDaniels. Uh, uh, what's his name? Staley. Brandon Staley. Brandon Staley. The Chargers. Rivera with no Washington. Um, I don't think anybody in the NFC North is really on a hot seat. South, mm-hmm. uh, Dennis Allen's on a hot seat. Yep, no question. Um, West. I don't know that I put anybody on a hot seat in the West. I I think everybody's safe in the West, NFC West. I mean, I think I think in the entire NFC, Jonathan Gannon is in the, um, the most unenviable position out of any coach in the NFC. Yep. When you look at the mess that Arizona is right now, yeah. You know, and now you have a former coach coming out speaking against him. Oh my goodness. Uh, we'll get into that, Steve yeah. Wilkes. Yep. Oh my goodness. You know, so they've got that hovering over their heads now. They've they've sent away primetime talent that they had before. You know, um, and we went over the Cardinals' schedule yesterday. By the way, Eagles fan is right. right. Eagles fan is right. Todd Bowles, absolutely. Todd Bowles. Good work, Eagles fan. Yep. Um, I don't see how Arizona wins more than four games this year, to be honest. I don't either, Derek. And four might be generous. (laughs) Four might be generous. You still don't know when Kyler Murray's coming back. We don't know how quickly he's coming back from that knee injury. Yeah. You know, and and Joshua Dubs, are are you really counting on him to carry you through? Until until your two hundred thirty plus million dollar quarterback comes back. But the only thing I would say is, Derek, is there a is there a wink, wink, nod, nod, like we're tanking this year? Like in other words, hey, hey, Jonathan, we're not, we don't, we could care less with. with the, in fact, we want the record to be bad. But here's the problem, Derek. When Kyler Murray comes back, yes, Kyler Murray's not going to. Not going to be on board with a with a tank. Now he may have such bad talent around him; it won't matter. He's not going to be able to right. do anything with it. But that's the problem. And like, are they tanking to 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 get Caleb Williams? Maybe, but you're going to take one uh, of the biggest cap hits in the history of the NFL if you do that. I, I don't see. I don't see that. What What are you tanking for? Usually, when we talk about teams tanking, it's because they're trying to position for that quarterback that's coming out yeah. in the spring. You know, yeah. and we've talked about this a couple of times this week. Because of the guaranteed money they still owe Kyler Murray, a quarterback is not the obvious choice for them. So what exactly do they think in terms of getting the first overall pick next year that can help turn this team around? Because outside of a quarterback, no one player is going to turn it. I don't care if he's the the, the second coming of Lawrence Taylor. Right. Still got to build around him. Or even, you know, like like you could go off. I'm just hypothetically, you go offensive tackle, whatever. Uh, you, that's just... That's a slow build. I mean, it's a tr- it's smart, but it's a slow build. You know, well, if you're they, they just the tackle this year in the first round. Right, right. I hear you. Yeah. I'm just, I was just, I'm just throwing yeah. that out there. If you did, if you build it out that way, it would take. You know, it, it's going to take a little. while. It's smart, but it would take a while. So, you, so you're not, you're not going to get a running back with the number one overall pick. Yeah. 
drafting another tackle with that first overall pick, unless he's going to be a guaranteed Walter Jones pick, or something. Oh yeah. my goodness, future Hall of Famer. Right. I I don't see that. So wide receiver, I don't see you taking a wide receiver because you still have to build around that wide receiver. You know, so what exactly could they be tanking for? And I don't disagree that it seems like they're tanking. When you get rid of Isaiah Simmons, when you get rid of DeAndre Hopkins, you know, players uh, are telling other you, pieces on the D. Yeah, I mean, I, I, like Buda Baker's got to be next. Uh, it's got to happen at some point, I would think. I, and I said yesterday, if this thing goes as south as we think it could go, I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if he starts get grumbling and wants to be traded before the that's, trade deadline. That's the other thing to watch. Like, once he comes back, if this is just horrible and he's running for his life right, and, yeah. you, know, you know, whatever, nobody to throw to, you know him. He's not going to bite his lip. His body language will tell you. He no. can't control it. Yeah. His body language is garbage even when things are going pretty well. Yes. So that's what's going to be interesting, you know. <laughs> Daz is right, man. Poor Zach Ertz. I That's know. how he's going to close this thing out, probably career-wise, out there. He, he just he just wants to finish his career on a high note, and yeah. he's with the wrong team for that yeah. to happen. By the way, his wife just officially retired, uh, yeah, from soccer. So, congrats! She what a career, man. Julie Ertz, in, in yeah. incredible, incredible, incredible career. career. Yeah. I I don't even know if, if Dobbs can get Zach Ertz the ball enough to That's appease true. to appease him. Yeah. yeah, is he going to be d- running dummy routes and just blocking most of the time? Which is not his game. No, 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 no. no. It does, like, here's my thing. I don't think if this goes as bad as we think it's going to go, he's not going to finish his career there. He'll he'll end up somewhere else. You know what I mean? Like he'll. I don't know what his contract status is, but he'll probably be out of there after this year. I would guess. Anyway, or, um, or, or he'll retire. Or he'll retire. Right. The guy's had a great career. There's no he doesn't question. need the money. He's been paid well throughout his career. Right. No, I I don't. And I'm sure he's been very smart with it. So, yeah. Um, but good news, Eagles-wise, Derek. So, yesterday we talked about this. Nolan Smith returned to practice. Um, somewhat of a limited capacity, but back nonetheless. So, that's a good sign. You know, I, I just didn't like the fact he had missed five practices since the Cleveland game. Just that he was back out there doing some things is encouraging. Now, I don't know whether that means he plays week one or what, but that's good. And, and everybody I've talked to, you know, keeps telling me he's fine. He's fine. So, like I said, it's probably just precautionary so. measures. Yeah. You know, oh, he's fine. He's fine. Okay. And uh, luckily, you know, whatever it is, you've got that grace period, that extended period between the five practices he missed and then the game. With, and, and think about it. As we sit here today, what did you say? They still have 10 days, 10 right. whole days before they have to play a game. So he's got that extended time to heal this thing up, whatever it is. And if he was out there on a limited – being out there on a limited basis yesterday means he's testing. He's testing to see how far he can push it, taking a few hits on it, extending his arms, engaging offensive linemen to see if there's any pain. And then they'll determine, okay, can we speed it up? Should we back it off a little bit more? And you still have all of next week to get ready for what's to come. Yeah, exactly. So that, that yeah, time is on their side as far as that stuff goes. What, what, uh, hope, you know, with some of the little, you know, nicks and bruises and those kind of things, you can you can let those guys heal up and be ready to roll. All right, Phillies, Derek, man, we've had two of these where Harper just pulls them out of the fire with a clutch hit again, and then it's given back up, and it is so frustrating. I mean. He comes up and he hits that home run, his 300th career, which is just noteworthy in and of itself. Yeah. But it's another money home run from him, and Kimbrell just gives it right back. And I know they won the series, and they've been awesome lately. 7-2 and two on the homestand. 
you, you would have taken it any day of the week. But that was a roller coaster gut punch at the end, <laughs> the way that thing ended. You know, from, from the category of you cannot win them all, that's what this one falls into. I mean, you know, they've been so good at home in this homestand. And the way, they're, the way they're mashing the ball right now is unbelievable. And again, yesterday. Um, but we, how, many, how many times have we talked about, are we starting to see Kimbrell hit the wall a little bit? I mean, because normally, back you go back to June when he was rolling. If he had a one-run lead going into the ninth inning, we, it's automatic. Yep. You know, And even Rob Thompson came out and said yesterday, we felt good that the game was over basically with Kimbrell on the hill. Mm-hmm. You know, And he, then he gives up not one. But he gives up that monster's opposite field shot. That was the thing. The two-run oh, shot was the killer. That was the killer. I mean, oh you know, you go into it, you go go to the bottom of the ninth tide. Yeah, okay, it's it's a tough blow, but you still feel pretty good, man. I, that was tough. That was tough. You know, even with that said, though, they were down two runs going into the bottom of the ninth, and the way they've been playing lately, I'm sitting here going, they're going to find a way to pull this game out. Yeah. They're going to find a way to pull it out. Mm-hmm. Even when they had two outs on them, I'm thinking something's about to happen with this team, and it did. It, it you yeah. know, finally did. Finally caught up to them. Yeah. But what an incredible homestand they've been on. What an incredible run. Incredible. Just the last week alone. The it, way they've hit, we'll get into this in a minute, but the way that they have, the, the way they hit, look, they had a 17 and 10 August. It's a, it's a very good August. So, you know, you'll take it. I mean, you'll certainly, t- and all you want to do is keep winning series, and that's what they've been doing. And, like I said, we'll dive into it a little bit, but the the Brewer series is, is going to be a huge one, Derek. I mean, they Milwaukee it's about to go can, down. Oh, Milwaukee can flat out pitch. I mean, the Brewers right now, I, and I get it if you haven't been paying attention, uh, if you're you're a Phillies fan, but even though they lost their last two, they had one eight straight before that. No, they won um, nine in a row. Nine, nine, yeah, and, nine and both teams come in seventy four and fifty nine. Yep. You know, Milwaukee's in first place in their division because it's yep. obviously they're not chasing the Braves, so we're out of their minds. But yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's gonna be a good one. This one, this is gonna be fun. They're off tonight, and then they they go at it in Milwaukee tomorrow. Man, I can't wait. And the Brewers' pitching staff is lethal. Their oh. relievers, their relievers are better than their starters. Yeah, yeah. Which they've is done fair. a really good job cultivating th- their pitching. They really have. You know, and they've got a bunch of kids pitching on the back end. They're throwing 98, 99. They have some flamethrowers on the back end of that bullpen. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's going to be that's going to be a fun series to watch. Yeah, that, that staff is no joke. I mean, with, you, know, and you were just you were just talking the other day about the one the Brewers lost to the Cubs, one nothing. How yeah. well pitched that game was. Yep. Yeah, Burns gave up one run. I think in the in the first on like a ground out, <laughs> yep. and then I think he went eight. He went seven or eight. Yep. Watch for this kid who they called up not all that long ago, uh, Abner Uribe, okay? Mm. This guy is nasty. He is nasty. He's, he's a kid out of Dominican Republic who's just got ridiculous stuff. So just Phillies fans, that's a name to watch out when he comes in and in relief. Just watch out for that guy. His, his breaking pitches just fall off the table. Yeah, he's he's got, he's got an electric <laughs> arm. Electric arm. All right, let, we're going to come back, Derek, and we're going to give out – we're going to look into our crystal ball and give out our Eagles 2023 awards among them. Who's going to win MVP offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year, rookie of the year, most rushing yards, most receiving yards, most sacks, most interceptions. We'll get into all those things looking ahead, by the way, one we're looking forward to this. He'll be joining us each and every, every week, Billy Crocker, who is the head football coach at Eastern university is going to be joining us. They, uh, what an initiative, man. 
They've gotten football off the ground at Eastern, yep. and they're going to be rocking and rolling uh, this Saturday with their first game of the season. So we will talk to him. Longtime assistant under Andy Talley at Villanova. He's coached Division One. Uh, so we'll, we'll get his thoughts on everything, you know, college football, college sports with the transfer portal, NIL, all that kind of stuff. He'll be joining us at 1.30. All right, we'll come back. We'll look ahead a little bit to what's going on with the Eagles. We'll go peer into the crystal ball here and give out our, our MVP, our all the other categories I just gave you. See how right we are at the end of the year. He's Derek Gunn. I'm Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take. All right, let's talk about Bravo Pizza of Habertown. You hungry? Would hit the spot right now, wouldn't it? Yes, Bravo Pizza of Habertown. I've been going there since I was a kid. They are family-owned since 1985. Uh, just unbelievable fresh food daily. They, they import their flour from Italy for the pizza. The pizza is flat out incredible. They have 20 different styles of pizza. They have slices to go. They have the you name it, they'll make it specialized pizza your way also. But you're not up for pizza. They have everything you could possibly want. Fresh pasta, sandwiches, wraps, wings, salads. But more importantly, Bravo Pizza of Habertown is committed to the community. They have fundraisers for charity, schools, little leagues, where the proceeds go to those organizations. You want to find out more? You go to their Instagram and Facebook page at the Bravo Pizza of Havertown. Also, daily specials, promotions. The menu is there as well. 1305 Westchester Pike, Manoa Shopping Center, Havertown. 1305 Westchester Pike, Manoa Shopping Center, Havertown. Give them a call. 610-446-3810. 610-446-3810. Bravo Pizza of Havertown. you own a company and you're not producing a podcast you're missing out the public consumes messaging when they're ready join the professional podcast network of companies and let jacob media partners put you in the podcast arena come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast call jacob media right now at 267-261-3428 267-261-3428 Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods.
save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Welcome back, everybody. Appreciate you hanging out with us. We're Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Let's hit the like button if we could, folks. Appreciate it. All right, Eagles, uh, Gunner, let me give you a couple things here. They've announced additions of defensive tackle Thomas Booker, uh, tackle LaRaven Clark, uh, cornerback Taiwan Mullen to the practice squad, which is now at 16. It was at 13 going into today. So they, they've, they uh, in addition to some of the other folks that we've been talking about. So that's... Uh, that's where we're at. That's where we're at. Uh, Nick Nurse taking in Eagles practice today throughout the first pitch yes pitch yesterday. Did you notice he did it? He did the Kimbrel. Did you notice that he did the the, the you're you're muted, but he did the Kimbrel thing. I'll tell you, he threw a strike. He it was, did it was a good pitch. Did a nice job. And yeah. the thing is, he got a nice applause from the crowd. That's he did. Nick know. Nurse didn't do anything to get a boo. Okay. No. No. Yeah. But you know how it is. You just don't uh, know sometimes. Guilty man. by association, right? Yeah, you know. <laughs> but but I, I was shocked that he went out there and did the Kimbrel. You know what? It's a good thing he threw a strike because think, think about how many people throw out a first pitch, right? Right. They throw it in the dirt. They throw it over the backstop. I can remember one. I, I don't know where. I saw this video clip earlier this year, and it's an older video clip. There was somebody throwing out a first pitch. Now, I, I can't even remember. Some big-name entertainer. Right. The ball bounced. And you see a still photographer with a big camera behind home plate, way back away from the plate. The ball ricochets up, catches him right below the equator. Oh, no. I'm like, oh, that hurt just watching it. Yeah, man. You don't have time to brace. You know what I mean? No, right. You're concentrating. You know, you're concentrating on your shot. You don't have time to do any. Man, if that gets you clean there, whoa. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not good. We all we we've been there, and it's not fun. It's not fun. Um, all right. So a uh, couple things. So let, let's dig into this, Derek. Let, we're doing our sort of look ahead here, getting on the record, if you will, with our predictions. Okay. So let's start with this one. And it may be obvious, maybe, maybe it is. But all right, who is your Eagles MVP? Oops. Isn't it obvious? It, 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 without Jalen Hurts, this team goes nowhere this year. If it's not, it, it, and, and I don't care if he plays the exact same game as he did last year 22 touchdown passes, another 15 rushing touchdowns. He accounted for 37 touchdowns. He makes not just the offense, but he makes this team tick. Yeah. You know, we saw, we saw what this team looked like offensively when Gardner Minshew was under center. Mm-hmm. Okay. Can you imagine if Marcus Mariota was under center for this team? Okay. I don't want to imagine it. No. All right. So is there any doubt who is the team MVP? 
No, uh, I mean, look, I, I, let me put it to you this way. Let me ask you this question. Let me off of that for a minute. Can he, is it possible for the Eagles to win the Super Bowl if Hertz does not play close to an MVP level? Let's just say we look back at his season, we say, Jalen Hurts had a good year. He had a solid year. He had a, he had a nice year, but not wow. He was right. You know, he's neck and neck with Mahomes or whomever. Can they still win a Super Bowl that way, or does he? Or because they have the talent around him, or does he have to play at an MVP level? Um, he can play great, maybe not at an MVP level, and is still good enough to get to the Super Bowl with all the talent they have. If he plays just consistently good, I think they could beat anybody in the AFC except that one team. It's the only team that I think they would have problems with if he does not play at an MVP level. He can play okay and still get them there. Okay. Now, when you stack them up against every other team, when you stack the Eagles up against every other team in the in the AFC, yes, I'm talking about the Chiefs. I, I mean, I'm talking about the Jets, Buffalo, Miami, um, Cincinnati. I think they can go toe-to-toe with any of those teams. Okay. And I'm not saying they can't go toe-to-toe with Kansas City because they can. Yeah. Kansas City wins that game on a couple of breaks. Mm-hmm. A drop, a drop, you know, a drop ball by the quarterback and a long punt return. Those were the two. And of course, that still debatable pass interference call. So three plays, three plays decided the outcome of that game. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Even uh, though I'm- even though their defense didn't sack Patrick Mahomes, they still could have won that game. They still could have won the game. No question about it. Yeah. I think he's the MVP too. Let me give you the numbers. This is what I think he's going to get to this year. All right. Uh, I think he's going to be 4,000 yards passing. Okay. Oh, okay. I think he's going to have 27 touchdowns throwing. I think he's going to have a 103 passer rating. And he's going to go from 66 to 68 on his completion percentage. Now, I think the rushing numbers are going to go down a little bit, and that's just fine. That doesn't mean that anything. That's fine with me. I think he's in the 500 range rushing, and I'm perfectly good with that. And I think he will, simply because he's so strong and they're so good at the tush-push and in the goal line and all that, I still think he has right around that 13 touchdown range on the ground. So that would get 40 touchdowns. Yep. Total. Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, From 35, up from 35. That's not bad at all. I think it's a slam dunk. He throws for over 4,000 yards if Goddard stays healthy the entire season. Yep. Um, but there's the other caveat you have to throw in. Let's say Penny, who's only played 15 games the last two years. Let's say somehow, some way he finds a way to stay healthy. The guy's averaged almost six yards to carry his career. Mm-hmm. If they keep him healthy, especially if they have leads early against a better competition, right? they're going to ground and pound it, which means he's not putting the ball in the air as much. Um, he's not obviously not running as much. Yeah. So those that could affect that could affect his numbers because I think I think Swift is going to get his carries, but I think Swift is more of a of a factor in the, in the passing game, yeah. getting him out in space in one on one situations against linebackers, corners, and safeties. Um, so I think his numbers could suffer a little bit, which is not a bad thing mm-hmm. if Penny stays healthy and of course Gainwell. You got two backs you can pound between the tackles. You can pound Boston Scott between the tackles. He's tall. So you have three backs you can pound between the tackles. And if that that offensive line is consistently moving people off the ball, I think Jalen Hurts' passing numbers come down a little bit. But that's as long as they're winning, it's not a bad thing. Yeah, again, that's not a bad thing at all. It's not. 
I'm not worried about the the rushing part of it, you know, with, with Jalen also. All right, so I think we're both in agreement there. Let's go offensive player of the year. Let's exclude Hurts, okay? Because I think if we both think he's going to be the team MVP, it would probably mean he's the offensive, you know, player of the year. So if you exclude Hurts from this, who would you go with, Derek? I got to go A.J. Brown. Okay. I have to go A.J. Brown. Um, Devonta Smith had more catches but A.J. Brown ever 17 yards a catch. Mm-hmm. A.J. Brown on 88 catches fell four yards shy of 1,500 receiving yards. Jeez. He had 11 receiving touchdowns. Now, again, this year, Devonta may have more catches. But A.J. is obviously Jalen's go-to guy. The dude had 145 targets yeah. and 88 catches. Okay. Um. I think his numbers could be very similar. And I, and I understand, you know, with, with Goddard coming back, and again, all things being equal, if Goddard stays healthy, AJ's numbers may come down a little bit because Goddard is a factor there, especially in red zone situations. Yeah. If, if teams try to double up on AJ, then that's going to free up Goddard in a lot of one-on-one situations and Devontae in a lot of one-on-one situations. You know, you, you look at the amount of receiving yards – Goddard had in the limited amount of time he played, that's quite impressive. Mm-hmm. And so I still think AJ is that MVP for that offense. Okay. I, I, I'm going to go with Devontae Smith there. Okay. Um, I think his, I think his receiving yards are going to jump up to about 1300 this year. Mm. Uh, I think he's going to find the end zone 10 times. I think he's going to have 10 receiving touchdowns. I think he's going to have 1300 yards. I think the numbers with he and AJ are going to be very similar, very similar. And it's very subjective here. I think you could, you could go with either one of them in this case, because I think they're both going to be that good. And they both complement each other that much. Yep. Um, but I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to take Devante in his third year, having just, you know, the game continuing to slow down for him. He's stronger. I, I, he's just, I think he's going to be more of a factor in the, in the deep passing game. Um, he's such a precision route runner. That's already there, but I, I think Devante is going to be awesome this year. And, and see, Forte brings up a good point. Check. Think about the checkdowns to uh, DeAndre Swift. Yep. There's probably going to be a lot of checkdowns to him as well. Oh yeah. That could affect both Devante and AJ's total numbers and total catches. Yeah. But again, if this offense is unpredictable and consistently keeping defenses on his heels, because you don't know who's getting the ball in any given moment, Devontae, A.J., Swift, Penny, you know, Boston Scott, you know, Gainwell's a good catcher out of the backfield. Mm-hmm. Definitely Goddard. You know what? Spread the wealth. Keep the train moving. Spread the wealth. Yeah, right. I mean, look, the, the numbers could be impacted, I guess, however you want to view it, if you want to call it in a negative way. In other words, numbers might go down for some guys. But that doesn't mean the offense isn't just as good, if not better. It just means the wealth is being spread a little bit better or differently. Not not better, but differently. Uh, you know, let's face it, it. Miles Sanders' game wasn't catching passes out of the backfield. So you bring in Swift, he's going to catch some more balls out of the backfield. You know, you 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 gain well, utilized more. That's part of his strength, yep. as you mentioned. Goddard, if he stays on the field for 17 games, is going to catch more balls. Maybe they incorporate Calcaterra a little bit more. Maybe uh, Alameda Zacchaeus has more of a role than Zach Pascal had last year. So right. passes going to different guys. I mean, you know, one of the things, and this is a good problem to have, one of the things Jalen's going to have to do is keep these guys happy with touches. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. it, 
I mean, ultimately he's got to do what's best to get the ball down the field, but we know you got to placate receivers sometimes, Derek. <laughs> there can be stop me if you've heard this before. Receivers can be divas to an extent. So uh sometimes I you get I don't think that's a problem with this group. I don't know. No, I don't either. I'm just saying, yeah. you, you know, you, you want to see right. the guys there, get there. there are a lot of receivers that that yeah. pout about not getting a touches. Yeah. You know, historically we've seen it time and time again. But I don't think it's a problem, you know, with this group. You know, again, Nick Sirianni and the the elder statesmen in his locker room have done such an incredible job through the years of of, of laying it down to everybody involved. Hey, this is not about me. It's about we. And we have a goal of not just getting to the Super Bowl, but hoisting that trophy again. We have too much talent to have extraneous distractions in this locker room. Yeah, Get on board. And last year, no complaints. You know, this year, okay, think about it. I don't think Devontae Smith is in his DNA to be a complainer. Goddard, not in his DNA, okay? The running backs they brought in, not in their DNA, you know? Kenny Gainwell, Boston Scott. Boston Scott's just happy to have a job. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any way you're going to have to worry about that with this offense. No, I agree. I agree with you. All right, let, let's jump to the other side of this thing. Uh, who's your defensive MVP? Defensive MVP has to be Hassan Reddick. And here's what I think is going to happen. Depending on how long he's going to have his this thumb protected, I think he's going to get off to a little bit of a slow start because that thumb is protected. He won't be able to clutch and grab like he does to get away from. So it may affect him a little bit. But once that thing comes off, he's going to ramp up speed in terms of getting after the quarterback. Um, I think Josh Sweat could push him. Mm-hmm. If Josh Sweat comes out of the gate and gets an early lead in the sacks on him. But I think if 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 Devontae's thumb is, is holds up, I think he's still going to be that defensive MVP for him. Okay, I'm, I am going to go with the guy you just mentioned as the push guy. Whoa. I'm going to take Josh Sweat. Whoa. Yeah. I am going to – I think Josh Sweat – last year was the year it all came together for him and he really started to figure it out. It took him a couple years, but last year he put it all into place. I think this year, Derek, he's a 14-sack guy. 14 sacks. Ooh. He's going to impact the game in other ways too. I think you may see a little bit more in term in terms of forcing fumbles and that kind of stuff. Uh, I I had really doubted him. Uh, let me just say this: I'm I'm not pretending like I was this guy who was always behind him. Like I felt like, right. come on, dude, start showing up here. They gave you the contract and all that. Uh, I think he's going to be awesome this year. I, I do. I think he's going to be a force to be reckoned with. Teams are going to be game planning for Reddick, and yep. Sweat is going to be that guy who who feeds off of that on the other side. So I, I'm I'm expecting huge things from Josh Sweat. I can see Reddick getting a lot of double teams, a lot of chips from tight ends and running backs. I think Josh is going to have a lot of one-on-one opportunities. Uh, no question about it. I don't disagree with you, but when you look at this man, Hassan Reddick, who's done what he's done with three consecutive teams in three consecutive years, double-digit stacks, that's unheard of. Three different systems, three productive Double-digit sack seasons with three different teams. I can't count out Hassan Reddick being the defensive MVP for this team. Yeah, I agree. The, I mean, the only thing I would wonder about a little bit early is the thumb. How yep. how will that impact things for him early in terms of production? I, I'm just curious. But again, the good news is he'll have about three weeks from the time he had the surgery. I think somewhere around there until the uh, to the start of the season. All right, uh, let's go. Um, 
Let's go rookie of the year, Derek. Oh, who of the crew that they drafted, who, you know, will be, you know, getting minutes, quality minutes. And, and, you know, you could throw in whoever you want, but that's Jalen Carter. That's Nolan Smith. It's Sidney Brown, you know, et cetera. Um, which of that crew do you think will, uh, will come away with the rookie of the year? Has to be Jalen Carter. Has to be. You know, there's no Javon Hargrave standing in his way. I think he's going to get a significant amount of snaps. You know, every every time we 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 hear something about him in in, in uh, training camp, uh, when they practice against other teams, the way he splits gaps, his burst off the ball, his tenacity, his nonstop motor, um, I think he's going to be right there, and and he may not get more than five, six, seven sacks on a season. But because of the attention he commands, because of his athleticism and his quickness and, and his to- total strength, I think you look at the Eagles' defensive line, Fletcher Cox and those guys, what do they do? They're asked to take up two gaps so other guys can free themselves. Yeah. A lot of what they do goes unnoticed. It's, it's unappreciated on the outside looking in in terms of so-called stats. Mm-hmm. But players will tell you what they do is the reason why other players are able to do what they do in terms of scheming, playing games, moving around, hitting gaps, shooting gaps, so on and so forth. And I think his value, you know, when he was considered arguably as the best defensive player in the draft between him and the kid that was taken down in Houston, it was back and forth, back and forth. I think he's going to be right there. And, and in terms of team MVP, rookie MVP, most valuable player. It's got to be him. It's got to be him, Rob. Yeah, I I think it's him all day. I, this one is look. Hurts is you know pretty obvious with the MVP, but I think this one is I, because I, Derek, I think he is going to be in Rookie of the Year talk for the league, not just the Eagles. Like I think yeah. he's going to be a guy that we're having those discussions about. Um, I don't think there's I, there he there isn't any reason to take him off the field he can get after the quarterback he can he can stop stuff the run that play that we saw the lone play that we saw in in camp is what he is he's got the ability to the strength to sort of throw you aside the agility to move around and still make a play in the pocket he will help these guys immeasurably coming on the end with the rush because he he is going to be right up and, and, and collapsing a pocket and everything is going to cave in. Um, I'm telling you, man, at the end of the year, we're going to look back and say, how did that dude last till where he lasted for the Eagles? Mm. And boy, did the Eagles get a break with some of the things that happened off the field for him to fall there. I, I really believe that. I think it's, he is, I feel as good about him as a rookie player for the Eagles as I felt about anybody in a really long time. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking the same thing. There's no question. Uh, he is a one-of-a-kind generational-type player for an organization. He could be a cornerstone to that defense yep. well beyond his rookie contract. Yep. Um, yep. And I think early going into um, his fourth season, we're going to be talking about Howie Roseman is going to want to get a contract done real soon. Mm-hmm. Not going to want to wait until he gets through that last year. They want to get that contract done before that rookie campaign even starts because of what he's done the previous three years for this team. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's go. Uh, all right, most rushing yards, Derek. Now, this is a tough one because it could be Hertz, it could be Swift, it could be Penny, it could be Gainwell. I'm, I'm not going to go as far as to say Boston Scott, but it could be really four guys that you could make a strong case for here that could lead them in rushing. So who do you think it'll be? 
I'm hoping it's not Jalen Hurts, you know, first and foremost. <clears throat> I look at Rashad Penny, and I mentioned it before. He's played 15 games his last two seasons. You go back to 2021, he had 110 carries, 119 carries in 10 games. He had a, almost 750 yards. He averaged 5.5 yards a carry um, in five touchdowns. 22, unfortunately, only played five games. He had 57 carries. But he had 346 yards, average 6.1 yards per carry. And I said it before, I'll say it again. If they can keep him healthy, I think he's that banger between the tackles. I honestly do. With this offensive line, now when he when he ran behind Seattle's offensive line, it was a pretty good offensive line. This offensive line is arguably the best of the best. Yep. You know, it's either them or Cleveland back and forth. You know, it's it, you know, flavor of the day, you know. But this offensive line is the best of the best. And we saw how they move people off the ball in the running game last year. So I think – I still stand by – I don't think they will have a 1,000-yard rusher. Mm-hmm. I do believe they will be one of the top three rushing teams in the NFL. And if Penny stays healthy, and that's a big if. We have to put that in, out there. If, if I think Penny is your leading rusher on this team. Okay. Uh, great reasoning there, by the way. Um, I'm, I'm going to go with Swift. The only reason I didn't go Penny, Derek, is – I. And granted, you could apply this to Swift too, but I I worry that he's going to be able to just hold up, and because because he hasn't held up, Swift has had injuries, but it hasn't been quite to the extent that Penny's had in the time missed. No, so I'm going to go with Swift here uh, on a slight lean. Like I think he's in the 700 rushing yard range. I said earlier, I think Hertz is in the 500. I think Penny could be in the Five six hundred. I think Gainwell's going to get his four hundred and have catches and all that. So I I think it's Swift. And, and at the end of the year, the numbers aren't going to blow you away in terms of oh he's over a thousand yards. No, I don't think that's it because I think it's it, it's going to be. You know, it depends on the game. Okay, how, how things are rolling, but at the end of the day, I'll take him in a slight slight lean over Penny and Hertz. See, I see Swift more as a screen running back, um, lining up in the slot occasionally, wheel routes down the sideline of the field and one-on-one situation, especially if, if they identify early that teams are going to try to cover him with a linebacker instead of bringing another another DB in to try to cover him when he's in the game. Um, I see him more effective in that regard. N- not to say he's not a good runner, but when you look at the last two years, he's played, he played 14 games. He only had 99 carries, okay? Yeah. Uh, last year, as good as he could have been, Jamal Williams was their feature back. You know, that guy has 17 rushing touchdowns. He was a, so I think Detroit identified he's more dangerous to us in open space. You know, maybe swing pass to him, hitch pass to him, let him turn up the field and go and, and use all of his moves and his quickness and his low center of gravity to get up and down the field. That's where I think he gets most of his touches. He'll get some touches in a running game. No question about that because we saw the one preseason game where he burst through a gaping hole, lowered his shoulder, bounced off a tackler, put a move on a guy on the outside and picked up 22 yards in a game. Now, he can do that at any given moment as well. But I just think they want to keep this guy as healthy as possible. I don't think they want to run him between the tackles as much as they're going to try to run Gainwell and, and Penny between the tackles and Boston Scott for that matter. So that's why I think his rushing numbers will be down, but his overall touches will right. make his numbers look really good. Makes sense. I mean, that's that's the hard thing to handicap with this Eagles offense is 
just how the touches are allotted. I think a lot of it is just going to go on matchups and games. You know, the, maybe a certain team isn't good against yeah. the run. You might pound the run. This team can't handle, you, you know, the screen or, or it's a team that's weak against the, the pass. You're going to throw it a lot more. The, the beauty is the Eagles have the versatility to be able to hurt you a lot of different ways offensively. Right. So that, that that's one of the good things. All right, let's go. Uh, let's go receiving yards, Gunner. Who, who, who are you taking here? Hey, I, I got to stay with AJ. Okay. I said it before. He is Jalen's favorite target. They are boys from way back. Yeah. You know, um, he may not lead the team in receptions, but because of his ability to break tackles, he's so physical. He's a matchup nightmare for DBs and safeties. I still think he's going to, even though you said, and I don't disagree, that Devontae Smith's overall receiving yards will increase, I still think when the dust settles that A.J. is your overall receiver in terms of receiving yards. Now, he may go from 1496 down to 14, down to 1390, but I still think he's going to be the leader of the pack when it comes to total yards. Yeah, that's that's look. I think it's sound. I, I think you're right on. And I'll I'm, I'll I'll tell you this. I think it's going to be really close, as I mentioned, but between him and Devontae. it is. It's going to be really, really close. Um, I, like I said, I'll go a slight lean towards Devonte here over Jalen, but I think it's neck and neck. And I'm I'm really looking. I would really love to see Goddard get through 17 games to see what his numbers yes. look like. Till yes, you know, obviously the team needs him to do that. More importantly, all right, let's go. Uh, let's go sacks here, Gunner. We got, we're, we're up against it. Oh, actually, we're not up against it. Let's go with sacks here. Um, who do you think uh, leads the way here, sack-wise? I can't bet against Reddick. I, I can't. I can't bet against Reddick. And you make a you make a, a a very good argument for Josh Sweat being the defensive player of the year for this team, the defensive MVP. Um, I agree with you that Josh Sweat is going to get a lot of single coverage because so much attention is going to be paid to Reddick. Now, how quickly can Reddick get back to being Hassan Reddick with his thumb issue? Right. And, of course, you also have to figure in, man, all it takes is one wrong punch, and it could damage that thumb again. Then you're setting him back even more so another three or four weeks, which allows Sweat to pile up the numbers sack-wise. Mm. But if Hassan Reddick is there from start to finish, he's going to find a way to get it done. you know. And I can't bet against him. I just can't. Uh, the way he's play, The way he played last year, and again, he's going to be playing against better offensive lines this year, as will Sweat be playing against better offensive lines this year. Um, I still have to lean towards Reddick, not by much, but I've got to lean towards Reddick. I, I always point this out too. The thing I love about Reddick is just he's got the nose for the ball, you know, on top of everything else. Um, you know, he's a guy who forced five fumbles and recovered three. Yep. Yep. There's a lot of guys who are just sort of specialists who don't really give you that kind of stuff that much, yeah. but he's, he's good. And he'll, he'll, he'll mix it up a little bit in pass defense and all that. And I know that's not necessarily a strength or what you want him to do, but yeah, lo- love, love Hassan Reddick. Uh, love him. I, I, look, I, I mentioned, I have, I have sweat at 14 and I have Reddick at 13. Okay. In the regular season. So I'm, I would, I'm going to stay with my guy sweat here in, in a, in a slight lean. All right. I okay. think this one's interesting. Interceptions. CJGJ no longer here. He had six last season for them. Okay. He's gone. Who leads him picks this year, Derek? Um, I think it's going to be Slay. And I think the Slay, because I think they're going to, he's going to have more targets his way because they're going to throw away from Bradbury. Mm. You know, uh, Bradbury was so solid, rock solid for this team last year that we saw teams throwing away from Bradbury because of his ability to lock up receivers, the other team's top receivers. And I think that's going to be status quo again today. Plus, you know, 
let's face it, Slay is approaching 33 years old. Slay is on a mission. Slay wants to prove a lot of people wrong. He's heard the criticism. He knows, you know, and I think he has that chip on his shoulder plus that swagger about him. He's going to prove, he's, he's going to want to prove to people that, hey, man, don't judge me by my age. Judge me by my productivity. So I'm going to go with Slay in this regard. I, uh, here's why I'm going Bradbury. And again, everything you said makes sense because I think they will target Slay early until he proves them otherwise. Um, I, I worry that, that Slay is, you know, what we saw at the end of last year is kind of where it's going with him. I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about that. I am. Um, so that's why I'm going to go with Bradbury. I, I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope he just sort of fell into a little bit of a funk and maybe it wasn't something that was clicking with Gannon's defense with him. I don't right, know. Right. But I, uh, if you ask me, as far as my concerns go, he, he would be on a concern list for me. Slay. Um, I'm just trying to think of who else would be on a concern list for me. I, I, obviously, the linebacking situation and the safety situation in Slay would be my three main things. So I think it's going to be Bradbury. I think Bradbury is going to have maybe an, it's going to be like four. I don't think anybody gets six like CJGJ. What was that second or first last or tied for it's first? Tied for first. Yeah, I, that's hard to get that many. And and some let's face it, some of this you have to get lucky. A deflection comes your way and yeah. Yeah. and all those kind of things. And it's you know for a safety to get that last year was was very impressive. So I'll go Brad Bradbury. Uh, I'll go Bradbury with four. That, that's okay. where I'll go. Okay. All right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's fun to look ahead here at these things and, and kind of see, you know, who does what, what you think, where you project it. Um, but I, yeah, I, I think that here's the other thing I think by the end of the year, I think we're going to have any uh, reservations about Blankenship. I think by the end of the year, we're going to be feeling good about him. I think, I think he's going to prove that he's, he's worthy of being a starter in the league and be fine. Um, I, I don't have any concerns about Blankenship right now except the youth, and, and, and still it's a learning curve with him. He's not a finished product. Yeah. I expect him to be better. But what does he look like in this Sean Desai defense? I don't know. You know, We don't know. That's the unknown with him. But I expect him to be better. You know, I think he got some valuable experience last year. But now that he's, play, uh, he, he's changed defensive coordinator, as is the case with all the players on defense, I just think that he, there's another confidence level with him now in terms of being just a professional football player. And the fact that, you know, we haven't heard much about anything out of camp saying that Blankenship has done anything to harm himself. Right. You know, so I just think he's going to be steady. You know, it's going to be some growing pains, no question about that. But I think he's smart enough, uh, high football IQ, uh, to be rock solid for this team for what they need. Yeah, and in fact, I mean – he really kind of showed out in terms of interceptions um, in, in the open practices and practice in general. I, I mean, really they, they sort of made him the only guy who was untouchable in the preseason. I think he played the one preseason game, right? The, the, right. the Browns. Right. Yeah. You know, but other than that, he wasn't even playing in those games. So it was kind of interesting. Um, all right, let's uh, let's hit it, Derek. Let's come back. Well, uh, some of these numbers I'm going to give you about the Phillies in August are, are just going to blow you mm. away. So mm. we'll do that. We have tons of stuff to do in the NFL segment. I mean, a ton, which we will get to at 2 o'clock. And then one thirty, Billy Crocker, Eastern University, the Eastern Eagles, D-Gun, uh, head football coach. So we'll talk to him uh, coming up in a little bit. All right, we'll be right back. That's Derek. I'm Rob. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Let's talk about Jim Murray and Principal Financial Group. 
because it is challenging. It's hard. It's difficult to find the right person to trust with your finances. And when you do, you want to hang on to them dearly. That's for sure. And that's what I've done with Jim Murray and Principal Financial Group. Whether it's retirement planning, your 401k review, if you're not really pleased with that, your insurance review, you feel like you could do better. Jim can help you with all of those things. I've entrusted my IRA, my 401k rollover with Jim, and I couldn't be any happier. You will be too. Give him a call. 610-996-4751. 610-996-4751. You could also email him, <clears throat> excuse me, Murray, M-U-R-R-A-Y dot Jim at principal.com. That's Murray dot Jim at principal.com. Passionately, go fearlessly, go confidently. Go first. <clears throat> go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust. Go first. And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. fans on earth it's a bold statement but would you expect anything less from philadelphia 58 years of heartache creates a toughness a grit a resolve not found in most sure our prayers were answered but now that we've had a taste we're looking for more pondley hockey official partner of the philadelphia eagles Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles Thanks for hanging out with us. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. He's Derek Gunn. I am Rob Ellis. Uh, let's smash the like button if we could, friends. Appreciate you. Uh, all right, let's talk some Phillies here, Derek. So they lose 10-8 to the Angels, but they won the series. They took two out of three. 
74 and 59 on the season as we are now into uh, September when they will get back at it tomorrow. All right. So uh, they finish up the nine game homestand, seven and two, yeah. uh, 17 and 10 in August. Really staggering numbers in August. 59 home runs hit. That's 13 more than they hit in any other month. Um, they had their second in runs scored. They led Major League Baseball in home runs and slugging percentage in that month. You could even date it back to before that. You go back to basically the beginning of June, June 3rd. Yeah. 49 and 27. Um, it looks a lot like it looked last year, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, since when Thompson took over, it's not a, a short sample size anymore, Gunner. We got, we have, you know, a, what, a year and change of him, and it's, it's a pretty darn good record with him. Rob, think about it wasn't that long ago when people were wondering, was Rob Thompson over his head when things were going bad in, in, in late May and through June, you know, uh, was Rob Thompson over his head? Was he a one hit wonder? You know, this team, how many people out there, this team sucks. Look at the money they spent on this team. It's not working, you know? And we kept saying, you gotta be patient. You gotta be patient. They can't, they can't just be this mediocre right. and you can't use the injuries as the excuse. You know, they can't, they can't be this media. And sure enough, all of a sudden, August rolls around, and this team catches fire. Right. You know, they, they, exactly what we expected to see. You know, Trey Turner, you know, uh, Castellanos is still uh, – Schwarber's out of his mind, hit long ball, you know. Um, everything we expected to see for the much of this season. Can you imagine how many home runs – if this team had played as consistently as it has the last month, how many home runs this team would have hit? They'd have been up there challenging the Braves for most home runs in the majors. There's yeah. no question about it. Mm -hmm. You're right. No, you're right. It, it, it's been remarkable. And you've seen guys just transform this month. Well, let, let's start with Harper. Uh, Mansion hit his 300th yesterday. So for August, Derek, 361 average, Jeez. 10 home runs, nine doubles, a triple. He drove in 24. He scored 23 runs. That's in 26 games. Yeah. So, I mean, he's basically driving in almost a run per game, scoring a run per game, every other, you know, game hitting a home run. I mean, he has been on fire. The, the powers returned with a vengeance. You pointed out yesterday, it's not just that. He's not just trying to launch balls. He's hitting balls the other way. He's yeah. hitting trace line drives. Like, man, when he's in a groove with that violent swing, when he's dialed in, there's nothing like it. Nothing this man hits is soft. And I've been watching him closely. And <clears throat> whatever deficiencies he was having in his mechanics at the plate, man, has he ironed them out. You look at the hip rotation. Uh, you look at how he plants his lead foot, foot when he swings. The level bat swing, extending the arms. And even on the inside pitches, he gets the arm extension out enough to where he's driving with power. This dude's hitting line drive singles. I mean, think about how many guys – you know, bloop singles here, bloop single. When was the last time you saw Bryce Harper hit a bloop single anywhere? Right. It's a shot through the gap. It's a shot tight rope in the line. Everything is hard with this guy. So that professional hitter, he's back. He's back now. And yeah. what a catalyst that is for what this team needs to do and where they're trying to go. All right, take it a step further. Let's go Turner. All right, so August 4th, he gets the ovation, Derek. So since then, 23 games, 370 mm. average. Mm. 19 extra base hits along the way. His powers returned. 
we've seen it this series. He went nuts in terms of long balls um, plays in the field. Like he, he looks like he's fully formed and back to being who Trey Turner is. You know what? You look at Trey Turner. He's not a big guy when you talk about power hitters in a game, but man, does he, does he pack a wallop when he's on point, man? You know, yeah. um, in perfect tech textbook swing, uh, everything about his swing at the plate, uh, he's not chasing as many bad pitches as he was. Obviously, once you get back in that groove, everything looks that much better. Mm-hmm. But this is the guy that Bryce Harper, you know, pleaded with the with the organization to bring in, and now you see why. Yeah, we've been waiting since the World Baseball Classic to see this guy, you know. And for whatever reason, once it started going bad for him, it just kept unraveling both at the plate and the field, and that affects anybody, even the greatest of great players goes through uh, through those spells, you know, but now he's ironed it out. And the best thing for him, you look at who hits in front of him, you look at who hits behind him. The fact that he's a $300 million player, the pressure's not on him. He can relax more at the plate because the entire lineup has been so dominant. Mm-hmm. Now, it, it, it changes everything. It really does. Uh, and, and you're right. I just think in general – I know we've made a lot out of this thing with the ovation, but I think it took the pressure off of him. And I think it, it, it allowed the team to sort of look at things in a different way uh, in terms of, a, of an appreciation. You know, you, you heard Harper talking about how he was driving in, listening to WIP the other day. And, you know, he, he heard a call already wanted to hit a home run for the call. Like, it's just crazy. Yeah, yeah. You know, what's, what's going on. And they're, they're not afraid to admit that kind of stuff. You know how it is a lot of times players are like, I don't listen to anything. I don't, I don't see anything. I don't, when you yeah. know they do. Um, so Turner or Harper just being honest. But, you know, Schwarber, you know, once again, as much heat as he takes, and I get it, you know, you look at the average and you kind of cringe. But what he does with those leadoff home runs is is just such a mm. – uh, uh, an accelerant, I guess, for lack of a better word. You know, it, it's one of those things where when he does it, when he hits those, the whole team just gets juiced when that's the case. And you look at his, again, he's another one. He had 10 home runs in August. He drove in 20, uh, you know, had a, had a 564 slugging percentage and a 944 OPS. He also, in the month of August, drew 25 walks. So you you know that's what you want from a lead uh, leadoff hitter is to get on base somehow some way it's not necessarily hits with him but it is walks and he and he, what he's doing too is allowing the other hitters on deck and in the hole to see a lot of pitches because he's usually getting into deep counts. I cannot emphasize enough how much this team feeds off of him, especially if he's hitting home runs early in games. How much of an energy level he gives the rest of this lineup. You know, and it's amazing, and, and we can't talk about the stats enough. It's either or with this guy. There's no gray area when you, when you talk about Schwarber. You know, um, batting average, strikeouts, home runs, walks. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's unbelievable how this guy can be so this or so that, and yet still be one of the most feared guys when he steps to the plate. You know, because yeah. he he makes you pay with a mistake. You yeah. hang anything across that plate. And basically, you're watching it. You turn around watching it like the Star Spangled Banner, you know? <laughs> I mean, boy, I mean, that man is unbelievable. But he's the most unconventional leadoff hitter I've ever seen in terms of body type. You know, n- normally you want a speed guy in a base pass, a guy who's a spray hitter, contact hitter, 
who gets on the bases and is the uh, disruptive factor on the bases. This guy <laughs> doesn't make a difference. He yeah. sets the tone by his power. Uh, all right, let's look. Uh, let's look at Milwaukee a little bit. I'll get to the pitching in a minute, but here, here are the bats that you have to watch out for. And again, they start a series with them uh, tomorrow in Milwaukee. Yelich uh, has had a pretty decent bounce back year. He kind of disappeared for a couple of years. Yeah, he did. Um, yeah, he did. And he's had some injuries, but he's he's back this year and he's been healthy. Uh, 281, 17 home runs, 67 RBIs. Solid. For, solid. Real good. Uh, Willie Adamas, not much average-wise, but he's got pop. 21, Jack, 62, driven in. Uh, William Contreras, uh, the catcher, is another one. 65 RBIs, 14 home runs. Uh, Weimer's a guy who will hit a home run. Rowdy Telez is a guy who will hit a home run for them. So, they, you know, there's definitely some guys you got to watch offensively, but the strength of this unit by far is the pitching. And it's Burns and it's Peralta, who's really, really good. Uh, yep. Wade Miley has, has for well, he hasn't pitched as much as those guys, but he's pitched pretty decently for him. But, you know, you, you follow these guys every night. You you know what they're bringing to the table in terms of an off- or defense and pitching. You know, people are saying, how in the world is Milwaukee 15 games, you know, over 500, you know, uh, home runs. They're 11th in the National League, 138. Um, when it comes to, to uh, uh, team batting average, they're still 14 out of 15 teams. Matter of fact, they're tied for last in terms of batting average in the National League, a 235 batting average compared to the Phillies, 261, number two, and the Braves obviously top of the list, 276. The Braves batting team batting average, 276, is ridiculous. It's begin. insane. It, it's ridiculous what they're doing. You know, you look at the Brewers' uh, team on base percentage. Um, they're one of the lower teams in that regard. You look at the team slugging percentage. They're last in the National League in slugging percentage. And the OPS, you look at their OPS, they're last in the league in OPS. Mm-hmm. And yet they're 15 games above 500. Why? Because of their pitching staff. And I don't mean just the starters. And you heard me say it before. Their bullpen is better than their starters. How many teams can say that? Yeah. Yeah. Their and, and it, throws yeah. harder and is deeper and more versatile than the starters. Yeah, I mean, they're Devin Williams has thirty-one saves. It's 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 it's, it's insane. With it, I don't know where the Brewers got these guys from, but it's like they wouldn't be close to being where they are if it wasn't for their pitching staff. No, I mean he's got thirty-one saves and a one-four-six ERA, so he has been absolutely lights out. Like uh, other, like a couple of the guys, Burns and and Peralta. Yeah, they're they're going to go deep. But they're not worried about their other guys going real deep into games because they can throw yeah. a lot of different arms at you. They they I, they've done a heck of a job. I give Craig Council a lot of credit. I I you know kind of written them off going into this season. And and he may not even be their manager after this year. He put off talks about a contract extension. Um, there's a lot going on with the Brewers. They need four hundred something million dollars in renovations in this stadium, which is not that old of a stadium. Yeah, how's that happening already? It's a dome stadium. They want they need four hundred and forty something million dollars worth of renovations. Man. The city and the county are not willing to fork over the money. Now they're talking about moving a franchise out of Milwaukee. Huh? You know where are they talking about going? Is that they're, there's there are you know it's the owners now saying we may have to relocate. You know you know teams do. Yeah, like, it's it's posture. Posture. You know, yeah. look at the Raiders. Look at the A's. They're yeah. you know Raiders. How is that stadium having problems already? I have no idea, dude. The state it's a beautiful dome stadium. 
Um, and it's not it's not that old if you think about it. I don't think it's more than ten years old, maybe. No, it can't maybe. Be. Yeah. You know, but they're already looking at four hundred something million dollars in renovations. Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, that's yeah. That that's the uh, that's crazy. Um, but right, so, but yeah. when you think about this, Rob, and this is this is not to uh, discolor what the Phillies have accomplished on this homestand. Yeah. But let's face it, the last two teams they faced, they are so devoid of pitching, it's it's embarrassing almost. Yeah. Now you're going up against one of the best pitching staffs in the National League. I want, I, that's why I can't wait to see Phillies, incredible homestand. They are mashing the ball. Right. You know, they've got a stronghold on the wild card standing. Now they're going on the road into a place against the first place team that has one of the best pitching staffs in the National League. I want to see is hitting going against this pitching staff. Here's what worries me. Now, Nola's pitched two straight really good games, um, and Wheeler's Wheeler looking like Wheeler. But you get beyond those two. I don't like what I've seen from Lorenzen. I don't like what I've seen from Taiwan Walker. And Christopher Sanchez probably had his worst outing the other day. And Ranger Suarez is still, you know, they're hoping he's going to be back, but he's a little banged up right now. So um, that's concerning. Kimbrell, let's not get away from this. So he's... He allowed three yesterday, and it's the third time in August he gave up multiple runs. I, I think Rob Thompson, while he's loyal to these guys, and I think it pays a lot of dividends with them, he can sometimes be a little loyal to a fault. Yeah. And, you know, now that you have Alvarado back and Sir Anthony back, you, I don't think it's automatic Kimbrel closes here. I don't either. I'd say, I'd say to switch it up a little bit, go to Alvarado Soto as a closer. Soto's yeah. closed before. That man throws 99 100. Yep. You know, Alvarado throws 97 98. Yeah. Let's switch it up a bit. I don't, you're right. I, I, I think sometimes he's loyal to a fault. Yeah. I thought, and we all thought he kept Trey Turner in that two hole too long. And yep. then all of a sudden he heard the public outcry. He started moving him back in the lineup, fifth, sixth, you know, let him clear his mind, game the game a day off here and there. And all of a sudden now he's stroking the ball. What is he doing? He's moving him back up in the line, move, move the Turner back up in the lineup again. Yeah. Same thing. There's other spots that you can use Kimberlin. in. I don't have a problem bringing Kimberlin in in seventh inning, eighth inning. Then you have Alvarado or Soto try to close it out. Mm-hmm. What you got them for? You didn't, this roster is, is like, the, like the Brewers. You don't have to have a definitive guy be your clo- closer. When the Brewers had Josh Hader, you automatically knew was coming in to try to close out a game. Not anymore with the Brewers, even though the one guy you just mentioned has 31 saves. Mm-hmm. They have a number of guys they can go to. The Phillies should use the same approach. Why not? Switch yeah. it up. Yep. Yeah, I'm with you. Look, I'm with you. Uh, I think that's an area that, that he's got to look at, and Kimbrel would be fine with it. Like, it isn't a situation where he – Kimbrel's not that kind of guy. I wouldn't worry about him. And, you know, look at matchups. If there's if there's a bunch of righties coming up in the eighth or whatever and you want to go Kimbrel, fine. But it just can't be automatic here. So that that's where things are. All right, let me give you the standings with some action going today. And again, the Phillies are off. So uh, the way things stand right now, uh, Phillies are three up on the Cubs. Yep. Going in action today. Cubs are one, two straight, seven of 10. Phillies have won seven of 10 also. San Francisco is uh, five back of the Phillies. Diamondbacks half game back of the Giants for that last spot. Reds one game back for that last spot. Marlins three games back uh, for that last spot. And if you look at it, other than the, the Phillies and the Cubs, 
everybody's playing okay. Like Giants yeah, are five yeah. and five. Diamondbacks are six and four. Reds are five and five. Marlins not good. Two and eight. So nobody's really lighting the world on fire here, um, which is a good sign for the Phillies to get that. Here's why you want well, you want it for a lot of reasons, but you want home field advantage. You know, they yes. were able to do well on the road last year, but you don't want to have to make it that hard on yourself. Absolutely. And, yeah. and there's no doubt the Phillies, uh, as we look again, look at the, all the other teams uh, in the wild card standings, uh, the Phillies are going to make the playoff. No question about that. Yeah. Um, but I keep an eye on the Cubs. The Cubs are a sneaky team. Very dangerous. There's a sneaky team, man. They just took two out of three from the Brewers, and they were both they were all close games. Yep. You know, they, they took two out of three from the Brewers. The Cubs have some pitching. We don't talk about the Cubs much. The Cubs pitching staff is pretty good, also. Steele is nasty. The kid who pitched oh. the other day. Yeah. Oh my goodness. He's good. All yeah. right, let's get let's get one in, Gunner. Let's come back. Uh looking forward. Here we go. Yeah, we'll come back. We, we are going to talk to uh Billy Crocker. Billy Crocker is the head coach, head football coach at Eastern university so quick time out come back we'll talk to the coach he's Derek Gunn I'm Rob Ellis we are sports take Jacob Sports YouTube network let's talk about proaction restoration proaction restoration is the place that you reach out to if your home your business a property you own goes through the inconvenience the pain of fire of water of smoke of mold damage they're on call 24 hours seven days a week to assist because these kind of things don't just happen nine to five they happen on weekends at nights on holidays and they are around at all times to come out and assist you. I went through it, got them out on a Saturday, cleaned it up, fixed the problem. Crew was professional. The price was right. You name it. Every box was checked. Proaction Restoration is licensed, bonded, and fully insured. They've been serving the tri-state area for more than two decades. Proaction will work in conjunction with your insurance company. So again, if it's water, fire, smoke damage, mold remediation, you name it, they can handle it. Give them a call. 610 623-3760-610-623-3760 or online at proactionrestoration.com. That's proactionrestoration.com. Passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first. <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first. And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go first.
the greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hi, we're back. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. He's Derek Gunn. I am Rob Ellis. Appreciate you hanging out with us on this Thursday. All right. Looking forward to talking to our next guest. I, I got a chance to meet him in person last year at uh, at Screwballs in one of our appearances uh, for Jacob. And uh, it, it, it's going to be fun, man. It's going to be fun to see what the Eastern Eagles do this year. Let's bring our guy on. Uh, that is head football coach. Billy Crocker. First of all, man, the office is looking strong there. I, I like the I like the eagle painted into the you know the fringe, the meeting of the walls there. Strong coach. Yeah, I appreciate that. We're we're getting there slowly but surely, piece by piece. We're we're putting this thing together. Now, you now doing, correct Doug? me if I'm wrong. You got you got a little work in last year, right? I mean, you were able to kind of just get your your feet wet so to speak, yeah. last year before you jumping in, you know, with both feet this year, right? Yeah. So we we played three junior varsity games essentially um and we kind of kept that our status was technically club status um that way we didn't use up you know eligibility on the guys and things like that and the division three rules are a little bit different from what i'm used to (laughs) with uh you know with some of the coming from division one um with the eligibility but we did get three games in last year which was great for for some of the guys that came back coach how important was that to get those games in last year as you hit the recruiting trail for this year to try to build this program into what you want it to be? It, it, it was big. You know, I mean, even the class that came, the very, very first class that came in, because if you were going to do anything, that that's a hard sell. Right. You know, it's, hey, guys, we're going to play. We're going to do something. And that's what we kind of told them. And we were able to do that, you know. Um, and it kind of gives them a better idea of what what to look forward to, you know, coming Saturday. Well, look, it, it's an undertaking, to say the least, right, uh, to, to start a thing from scratch. So what made you want to do it? What made you want to take this challenge on? What, what, what for you was the thing that you said, look, this foundation has to be in place if we're going to do this thing? Yeah. Now, number one was um, the uniqueness of the situation. You know, not not too many coaches, I think, can be attempted or, or built something from the ground up. 
um, something brand new. Um, so that kind of drew me to it first. Mm-hmm. Um, number two, I think it had to be the right situation in the right place. Um, I think Eastern University is about the right things. Um, and, you know, I, I've worked at a, a faith-based school the majority of my career, you know, being at Villanova for as long as I was. And, you know, I, I saw Eastern as a little bit in line with some of those things, I think was was pretty important that they're about the right things. Um, you know, then obviously the area uh, is, is super important to us. This this is this was coming home for for my wife, myself, essentially, and, and our, all three of my children were born right down the street of Bryn Mawr Hospital. You know what I mean? So uh, so this was this was coming home for us. And then lastly, I wanted to make sure this was going to be done right. You know, and the school was committed to it. The unit, the administration was committed to it. Um, and, and thus far, they really have been. Coach, how much freedom do you have to 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 build this program and, and see it blossom the way you, you want it to? Do you have like free reign? The university is so excited about having football. They, they come to you and say, hey, you do what you have to do. What is your mission statement for your program, so to speak? Yeah, no, I, th- I think they, they've given us a lot of leeway. Um, but again, I... I want to do it the right way. You know, I don't want to, I never wanted to take the approach of, Hey, we're just going to throw it up on the wall and see what sticks. Um, and that might be the quicker way to do things. Um, especially in this situation. Um, so, but we're going to, we've tried to do it the right way and build it and it might take a little longer than maybe some people want, but I think when you build it the right way from the start, it, it will, once it clicks, it's going to last. Um, mm-hmm. And that's sort of our goal here is when, when we do get this thing going the way we want it to, um, we want it to last. And, and I think that's sort of the the long term objective, Derek, is just say, hey, mm-hmm. this is not just going to be a flash in the pan kind of thing. We, we want to build it. We're going to take our lumps. We understand this is gonna, there's going to be a huge growing process and growing pains to go through. But if we do it the right way, we're going to build it that it's going to sustain long after long after we're all here. And that makes sense when you say it and Derek and I, even though our maturity level is like a three-year-old, we're, we're, we're adults, right? Same here. Not, not me. I'm never growing up. I'm never going to grow up. So. Here's where, other than taking a shot at Derek, here's where I'm going with this. <laughs> um, how hard is selling that, that sort of patient approach to a 17, 18 year old, right. Who, who could maybe have other options. Like how, how difficult is that? Yeah, it, it was, you know, and you know, I think, you know, they, I think the thing we had to sell was, Hey, you're going to be the first, you know, like you're, you're re- literally going to, going to make history here at Eastern and in, 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 in college football that you were part of something that came from the ground up. And, you know, I told all those guys that came in last year, because this year was a little bit less challenging to sell to some kids because we were playing a real season, you know, last year and the kids who have stuck around and have stuck through this, I said, listen, I personally owe you a lot. You know what I mean? For, for sticking with us and, and remaining loyal, um, you know, as, as we see this thing through. Uh, Coach, you, you were at Villanova for 12 years. Mm-hmm. You're from you're from Connecticut. Yep. What is your target area in terms of, of kids you're recruiting? Is it strictly the Philadelphia area? How how broad or how narrow is your target area? You know, we're, first and foremost, we're going to start at home. And again, another reason for me taking this job, because I think there's a lot of good football around here. Um you know, from from Philadelphia to, you know, the District 1 and, and the sub- suburbs right around here. And, you know, we've gone into, you know, South Jersey, which I recruited for years when I was at Villanova and um, which I still consider a local area to here. And and I think there's a lot of good high school football around here, especially at this level. 
Um, you know, but we're branching down. We, we've got quite a few young men from Delaware um, down into Baltimore and D.C. Um, and we also have gone into uh, South Florida. Um, oh, you know, so we've gotten so we got some some Miami, you know, Fort Lauderdale guys um, yeah. on the roster, which we're going to continue to blossom. Our athletic director is from Miami and he hired me. He said, you got to get down there. I said, hey, if you're paying, I'm going. So, um, <laughs> you know, so we went down there and we got some few guys from from that way. So um, so it's mostly going to be a northeast mid-Atlantic flavor on our team, you know, with with some other guys sprinkled in. Hey coach, hit, hit that hit hit the Pittsburgh area. I I was there for ten years. Yep. Hit, that that Pittsburgh area is a hotbed for high school kids. Yeah, we actually we actually brought we actually this in this class have have a few Western PA guys on the squad. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, uh, Bonner Prendy of the Catholic League is where you want to go, coach. All right, coach. We have we brought in four coach Bonner will do kids you this right. year alone. Yes, Coach wow. Muldoon will steer you right, my friend. Yeah. That's all I'm yes. saying. Not that I have any bias there, but anyway, <laughs> no. Uh, Talk about the influence of Andy Talley. I mean, you you were you know you worked for him for a very long time, and yeah. I, you talk about how you know you, it feels like home. Eastern's right around the corner from yeah. Villanova, but um, how much of a role did he play in your your growth as a coach? Oh gosh, uh, just uh, tremendously. That's where I started. He brought me in. You know, as a young guy, didn't have many options going on, and he, he brought me in, took me under his wing, and stayed there for a couple. Then I left, and then I came back, and. Um, you know, just as I stayed with him and, you know, I continue to climb the ladder with him, you know, personally, but so not only in the coaching end of things, but, um, you know, personally, you know, taught me a lot. And, you know, I think in my, at my age now, I've, I've learned to calm down a little bit and that all started with him. You know what I mean? As a young coach, you're, you know, you get going a little bit and he always would, Hey dude, you gotta, (laughs) you gotta chill out a little bit. You know what I mean? Whether it be on the sideline or up in the box, um, and just the things he preached to our team about constantly, that message was also probably aimed at the coaches as much as it was the players with him, you know, and coach, the biggest thing I took from him was just a, how you treat people, um, which was number one. And, you know, a lot of times he very rarely talked about football, you know, to our team. Um, he kind of let us do the football thing, but he, he always preached about how you treat people, um, you know, and then, and then having loyalty, Um, you know, so I've looked at that and how loyal he was to the guys on his staff. Um, and you hire good people and you hire good coaches and then you let them do their job. And and that's what he did. He made me a coordinator. I was 28, 29 years old, um, with him and he never once walked into a defensive meeting. Um, never once really clicked up on that side of the headset to, you know, do it. He kind of, he let it, let you do it. You know what I mean? And you gain confidence from that. And that's what he did for a lot of coaches that have come, come through his, his program, which has been a ton. And, and obviously all the success that he had, and he's a real example of that. You can do things the right way and still have success. Coach, when you were at Nova, I mean, that, that defense in one, one year was number one in the FCS, you know, in a number of categories, as you build this team and as you built it for this year, did you put more emphasis? Uh, and I know your forte is defense. Yep. Did you did you put more emphasis on building the defense more so than the offense? Or how did you go about constructing your roster? Um, you know, honestly, <laughs> when you're in this position, it's sort of like, come on, <laughs> you know, you'll first you'll come take, first serve. <laughs> you'll take what's 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 coming to you, to be honest with you. Um, because especially year one, we just we just had to build numbers. You know, and and again, it's such a different recruiting that I'm used to. Like back when I'm used to, it's you're recruiting. We need two DBs. We need, you know, three offensive line. We need two quarterbacks. It was very structured, and this was just like, 
hey, let's let's get all these guys in. And then it's almost like you could figure it out a little bit after that. You know, I think we have an idea of what we want to be offensively and defensively. But I think personnel, uh, football is such a personnel-based game. You, you can't just say, hey, we're going to do this or yeah. we're going to do that. You have to do what your personnel dictates, and I've always believed that. So, you know, I think we got a bunch of kids in. And, like, our first two days, you know, last year and then even this year was – let's get these kids out here running around and let's evaluate and let's see who can potentially backpedal or do this or do that. You know what I mean? Like we have a good idea of what some kids can do based on their high school film, but they might be better suited somewhere else, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think to answer your question, we're going to get to that point where we're getting a little more specific with things. Um, but it kind of was like, Hey, let's, let's get the numbers here first and then we'll figure it out from there. Okay. Kids aside, how, how big a challenge was it putting a staff together? Um, um, you know, again, from scratch. It was, I'll tell you what, uh, again, just going back to the support from the administration, I, I had the ability to go out and get a really good staff. You know, I got, you know, I was able to bring, you know, my defensive coordinator, uh, Dylan Lucas played for me. I coached him for five years at Villanova. Um, and then we coached together for three years at Elon. Um, and he, he's a South Jersey guy. He came back with me. And so he knows our scheme. He's played in our scheme. He's coached in our scheme. Um, and we were, I was able to bring him, and then I got an offense coordinator, Nate Hinkle, who's a lot of experience in this conference and at this level of football, which really has helped me. Um, you know, then we had a bunch, and, and just with our connections locally and, and the guys I know, we had a lot of interest in guys wanting to be a part of, of what we're starting here. Coach, when you start something like this, you know you go through growing pains, and everything you do is measured by W's and L's. Yep. Um, and last year, you guys were 0 and 7. Um, and now you're taking this program to the next level. Do you put more emphasis on let's get better more so than we got to win X amount of games? Because if you get better, eventually the wins will take care of themselves. Got us, coach. I got you now. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yep. Go ahead again, Derek. I'm sorry. Yeah. I said, um, you know, Last year in your maiden voyage, you know, yeah. it was rough. So now you're trying to take the program to the next level. Do you put more emphasis on, hey, look, we have to just worry about getting better. And when we get better, the wins will take care of themselves? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, last year we actually did okay. Um, we played three JV games and we yeah. went two and one. Um, yeah. So it wasn't bad, you know, but I think this year, here's the deal. We're going to go out and our intention is to try to win every ball game. Yep. Um, that's if you're not going to try to do that, then what's the point in going out there? You know what I mean? That's the approach we're going to take with our team. You know, is that reality? No, it's really not in reality with probably 95% of college football teams mm-hmm. that you're going to win every game. Um, you know, but I, I think the biggest thing for us is, and the approach I've always tried to take is, you know, we're, we're going to take this thing one game at a time, you know, and we're going to tackle this Saturday and we're going to see how it goes. And we're going to, learn it, fix it, win or loss. We're going to put it to bed and we're going to move on to the next one. Um, and I think if you kind of approach it that way versus looking at the whole big picture, it, you know, it can keep it a little more manageable. And I think the goal is just to get better week in and week out. You right. know what I mean? And I think if we continue to get better, then, you know, I think some of that stuff will take care of itself. Mm. I, I What I also love is you're playing your home games at Franklin Field. Yeah, yeah. How cool is that, man? It is. I mean, that is just it's if for people who haven't been, trust me, you want to check it out. It is such a cool setting. 
Yeah. We, um, you know, we ran into some, we have a great setup up here where we are. We just ran into some construction delays, um, you know, and some township stuff, um, as you can imagine up here on the main yep. line. Um, and, you know, we, we thought about some different options. We talked to Villanova a little bit and their schedules didn't match up. And, and he said, you know what, we got a lot of, a lot of young men from Philadelphia, from the city. Um, we got a lot of district one guys and, we said, what about a cool venue like Franklin Field? Um, and, you know, we met with them. They were, they've been fantastic to work with. And we're going to try to do it up as much as we can using their video board and, you know, things like that. Two of our games will be in the evening and two will be at one o'clock. So awesome. get a little bit of feel for, for two different things. So we're going to make it a fun deal. And that'll be for four home games. And then the following season will be up here exclusively. And by the way, you can listen to all the Eastern games, AM 990, the answer, AM 990, the answer. Let's show everybody the schedule here, Derek, uh, for, for Coach Crocker and the Eastern Eagles. And by the way, great nickname. Um, all right, so so here here is the schedule. We'll kick things off, Coach, on Saturday against the College of New Jersey. We'll get into that game in a second here. But Alvernia, uh, Del Val. Lebanon Valley, uh, Misericordia, Albright, uh, King's College, uh, Fairleigh Dickinson, Widener, and Stevenson University. So let, let's talk about the first one. You know, yeah. the, you, you're getting uh, getting the hit the ground running here. It's College of New Jersey. Yeah, it's it's going to be a challenge for sure. Um, they're an established program, um, you know, out of a good conference up in the NJAC. Um, you know, looking at their two deep of, of all almost 50 guys they list, they only have two freshmen um, in their two deep. And when you look at ours, uh, our two deep might be 60% freshmen um, and, and the rest sophomores, you know what I mean? So it's it's going to be, a, you know, a, an uphill, you know, battle just physically, um, you know, going with some older guys. They got a lot of fifth-year seniors, a lot of seniors, um, you know, we're playing with a lot of guys who their last real football game was a high school football game, you know, so, um, you know, but I think, you know, again, they're, they're going to come out and do what they do. And, you know, we're going to try to put our guys in the best position to have success, um, you know, and just go out and play hard. And if we can execute, I think we have the ability to make some plays. Coach, what is the strength of your team right now? Is it offensive line, defensive line? What do you, what do you perceive your strength being right now? Uh oh, coach, you, you you still got us? Yeah, I got you. Okay. okay. Yeah, I said, what is the strength of your team right now? Is it the offensive line, defensive line, or where do you see it right now? Yeah, I think when you have such a young football team, yeah. the the offensive defensive lines are hard to be a strength of your team. Okay. Um, you know, so that's something we're continuing to build, and I think we have some really good young players there. It's just we're just not going to be at the size, physic, you know, physically that we need to be yet. Um, that's going to come down the road, but. Um, I think we have some really good skill. Um, I think our secondary, I think um, our receivers, our backs, you know, our linebackers, I really like. Um, I think we have some of those guys who can really do a good job competing, you know, in this conference. Mm, okay. I wanted to talk to you about the state of college football. You know this very well because you coached at the Division One level. Yep. You coached at, you know, at Villanova. You coached, uh, you know, you're coaching here as well. It's It's really – changed a lot uh and i don't i'm conference realignment's a whole different story but in terms of the transfer portal and nil how much has the game changed since you got into coaching and how how much more difficult is it frankly than it yeah was i think it's i think it's challenging it's um you know everybody wants something now <laughs> yeah. um you know i think it's very few kids you know are 
taught to have patience um, with things. Um, so I think that's a struggle, um, you know, especially at the highest levels. You know, it's, you know, I can imagine just that that NIL part of it. It's, you know, you have to have stuff in place for your kids that are coming in the door so you can recruit them. But you also got to do it for your current team. Um, you know, so that makes things really challenging, um, especially at the highest levels of, of football. But I think the biggest challenge for coaches, too, is just the, the management of your roster. You know, it's you know, you think you have this coming back and these numbers because it's hard enough when you know what's coming back, um, balancing your scholarship numbers and things like that. And then all of a sudden, you know, this guy's going to go test the waters and the transfer portal and, and things like that. Um Again, which I don't think is anything necessarily wrong with, but it just makes things challenging, you know, you know, looking to to you know always manage your roster to make sure you have your numbers where where you want them. Coach, do you think the NIL is a good thing or a bad thing for college athletes? I, I think it's good. I think I think especially at the highest levels, they deserve to be paid because the schools are making so much money off off of them, to be quite honest with you. I do. Um I just think it needed and needs to be managed in a way that can be you know, sort of control to an extent or at least monitored, um, you know, and it, and I think the biggest thing, I think I read something today is it, to an extent, there's got to be a level playing field somewhere, um, you know, because obviously the, the big, big guys are going to have resources and connections that, you know, some of the, even the smaller power five guys don't have, you know, and then you filter that down into the group of five schools who, you know, some guys. So um, I think, you know, I, I love the idea of it. I think there's a great way to do it. And I think the players deserve it. You know what I mean? But I think, I think it all got thrown out there and everyone said, just do it. And then kind of figure it out later, you know, and I still think they're trying to figure it out. You know, to how, how much does it come into play at your level? Does it come into play at your level? Not really. Um, I, I don't think it does. At least I haven't seen yet, you know, in terms of, you know, I, I don't know what, and I don't even know if it's coming down, played down the street, to be quite honest with right. you. You know what I mean? At, at the FCS level, mm. you know, you might have one guy or two guys who can, you know, go get some, go get something of a, of a deal. You know what I mean? Um, right. You know, but I don't see it being that, you know, we, I think at this level, what I learned, there's always going to be a ton of, um, you know, a ton of attrition, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. At this level, regardless. Um, so kids going to, transfer portal i think that's just going to be kind of what it is no question all right well listen coach we wish you all that let me if we could tone let's throw the schedule up there one more time let, let, let's talk about again you could hear the games for the eastern squad and we're looking forward to this uh this season coach because we're going to chat with you each and every week um, you. but you can hear the games at am 990 the answer and of course everything kicks off this saturday at noon uh, against the uh, the College of New Jersey, and then you then correct me if I'm wrong. You're home, and again Franklin Field, Alvernia. Yep, that'll uh, be a set. That'll be a 7 p.m. game, and okay. then the, then the following one will be a one o'clock game. Okay, and that's Del Val the following week, and yep. then you're home Albright on the 14th, home Fairleigh Dickinson after that, and then you close it out with Widener and uh, and Stevenson. So it's gonna be fun, man. It's good. It's are you excited to be able to like really dig in with real yes. games as opposed to just practice? I got yes. kids have to be just dying at this. They point, are. Right? I think they're games. dying to play somebody else. Finally, you know what I mean. Now it's myself and the coaching staff. I think now starting to get that normal sort of feeling at the end of the week mm-hmm. <laughs> as things are as, as things are becoming real. But there's there's excitement. You know, we we've spent a lot of time, you know, getting this thing ready, and and we're just ready to go do it. Right. Mm-hmm. 
Great. Coach, listen, we wish you all the best. And Look, uh, coach. Yeah, we're looking forward to hanging with you each and every Thursday. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you very much. I appreciate all right. it. All right, Take you care. got it, Coach. That is Coach Billy Crocker of Eastern University, the Eagles, in fact, the Eastern University Eagles, Gunner. That's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to, 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 to watch the progress there. Feel good about where that that group is uh, is headed. That's for sure. All right, so let, let's swing into a, a couple of a uh, couple of NFL things. Let me let me throw this one out there. Gil Brandt passed away, Derek. Yeah, um, ninety one years old. He was with the Cowboys. He was their essentially their their player personnel guy for twenty eight years from nineteen sixty to nineteen eighty eight. But but yeah. stayed on in various capacities as a consultant and whatnot. But he's noteworthy on a lot of levels. He's in the Hall of Fame. He's in the Cowboys ring of fame. He was a guy who was really ahead of his time in terms of scouting, uh, in terms of using analytics and computers. He's a guy who came up with the idea for the combine. Like he was really a trailblazer in that field on a lot of levels. And I don't think a lot of people understand just how many scouts he also trained in the national football league, you know, and, and, and a lot of the old school scouts that are still around, they will tell you, you know, what he taught them was so invaluable in terms of them being able to decipher better talent from average talent and helping them maintain longevity in the NFL to be considered um, a legitimate viable scout. You know, he was around around the game long as I've watched the game was starting when I was a kid. And even up until like about three or four years ago, he was still making appearances on different shows, giving opinions, uh, and so, and still evaluating talent, so on and so forth, man. So, you know, you you're right. You, the the word pioneer is accurate when you describe what he meant to the game of football and to the changing of the complexion of the pro game. Yeah, and 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 again, his influence is still felt. The the other thing that was a remark about him, Derek, up until you know maybe even a couple of years ago. I mean, he was in his late eighties. Guys firing off tweets, you, yes. you know, giving you player evaluations. Yes. He had a radio show on 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 Sirius. Like, I mean, my God, I, I hope I'm half of what that guy was. Exactly. And, you know, he was he was sharp as a tack. Incredible. You know what, uh, Rob? A lot of times when I talk to older people, they tell you when you have something to get up for every day, when you have something to do every day, it keeps you sharper. You yep. know, when you're just retired and you're on your own time. You know, all of a sudden you become dull in a lot of ways. But this is a guy who, you know, had a purpose every day right. and stayed on top of it. And, and of course, the advent of social media helped him stay relevant in a lot mm-hmm. of ways as well. And good for him for being willing to, to kind of roll with it. I'm sure a guy of his generation was like, what do you want me to do? Tweet something out? You know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. but no, I don't even was, want to tweet now, you know, I, right. No, but he was, uh. Man, a remarkable guy. And, you know, rest in peace, to, obviously, and his condolences to his family. So, all right, Derek, when we come back, uh, we're going to dig into a lot of things. Contract extensions, guys still not back in camp, unhappy with their contracts, a ton of other stuff that we're going to get into here. And Joe Montana chimes in on who he thinks, Derek, was the greatest quarterback ever. I think the answer is going to surprise you a little bit, Okay. So okay. and, and I'll give you his his reasoning for it also. So he's Derek Gunn. I am Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. All right, let's talk about Flynn Tree Services. Yes, Flynn Tree Services is an experienced, licensed, and insured Pennsylvania tree services company that will trim or remove any unwanted trees off of your property. They are experts trimming all types of trees, and they serve southeastern Pennsylvania, South Jersey, as well as northern Delaware. All right, you can go to their Facebook or Instagram page for more information or a sampling of their work. 
give Flynn Tree Services a call at 610-850-2848, 610-850-2848, or online at flynntreeservices.com. That's flynntreeservices.com. own a company and you're not producing a podcast you're missing out the public consumes messaging when they're ready join the professional podcast network of companies and let jacob media partners put you in the podcast arena come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast call jacob media right now at 267-261-3428 Heading down the shore Have a ball once more Here, imaginations run wild And time stands still Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore All on one five-mile island So leave the old you behind And get lost in the woods Save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. of the show appreciate you hanging with us he's Derek gunn i am rob ellis we're sports take jacob sports youtube network all right gunner let's continue the nfl discussion joe burrow back at practice yesterday it was the first time he had practiced with the team since july 27th so it was a you know pretty solid chunk more than a month he was out with that calf they were kind of coy with the way yeah whether it was the injury whether he was still unhappy with his contract he still hasn't he hasn't been locked down yet um you know, the guys we were we were talking about, Hertz got his, right? Lamar Jackson got his. Um, Herbert got his. 
with the Chargers. Burrow's the only one yet. And, and you know, part of that is he's going to get the most out of any of them, I'm sure. Uh, I, I, let me put it this way. I'd be surprised if it's not done by week one. That would surprise really? me. Really? Yeah, I think they're going to get it done with him. Yeah, I do. You know, the fact that we haven't heard much coming out of Cincinnati in terms of it constantly being a topic of discussion, as it was with Hertz, as it was with Lamar Jackson, um, I don't know if it's going to be done by week one. I think both sides re- are respecting the process. When it's time to get it done, it will re- it will get done. It will not affect – we don't want anything to affect or distract us individually or the team for what we're trying to prepare to do. Right. Uh, you may be 100% correct. Maybe it, will be, maybe it will get done. But if it doesn't, I won't be shocked because it's been so quiet, so below the radar compared to the other quarterbacks who were up for big money. True. And pro- look, if they are working that quietly, props to, to Burroughs camp and the Bengals for – you know, keeping it under wraps while they're, while they're trying to get it done, if it does get done. Um, but it will be interesting to see what happens there because, you know, I'm sure his agent is all over. And, and look, the Bengals are notoriously cheap. Okay. I mean, they are notoriously cheap. So it's nothing's a lot. Don't get me wrong, but um, I'm sure his agent is saying to them, I don't want my guy going out there week one and chancing this thing. Like we need to get it done and take care of it. Um, all right. So speaking of that, so the dolphins have shut down any more contract talks with Tua and Christian Wilkinson, uh, their stud defensive lineman the, and to, for the rest of the season as to not cause a distraction. I think it's twofold here. I think you can buy the distraction thing and that's fine. I also think they want to see Tua get through the year healthy. Absolutely. Yeah. A hundred percent. Absolutely. Um, if you're going to invest that type of money in a quarterback, and especially when you're talking about that kind of upfront money, you want to make sure that guy is going to be there for the duration. And because it was such a scary situation last year, the volume of, of, of head trauma injuries he had in a short amount of time, you know, you don't know. One head injury this year could knock him out for the rest of the season. Imagine if you give this guy that guaranteed money. And he's got to sit out not just the game, but the majority of the season and and then contemplate again after this season, whether or not he wants to play again. Right. You know, and you're stuck with giving him all that money, which hurts your cap, you know, not just for a season, but, but the next year as well. I I don't blame Miami one bit. And obviously, you know, two has not put up a stink about it, you know, because normally when things go down like this, you may not hear directly from the person it affects, but you hear from somebody in their camp, right. You know, some anonymous source in their camp. Right. I haven't heard anything from people who uh, are on Tua's side of this. I think, look, if if Tua's being realistic about this, yeah, he's got to know down deep that I, I got to show them, too, that I can get through this entire season. You know, I mean, I don't – this is one where I'll side with the organization. I'm normally, like, player side 95% of the time. I don't blame the Dolphins here one bit. I, I don't blame him one bit. I need you need to show, and I and I feel bad for Tua. I do, but I need to see that he can get through this season before I'm I'm going to extend him at all. I, I, I agree with you 100. You know, in, in the same case with with the the, the D tackle, you know, you look Wilkins, at the four years, yeah, yeah, Christian at, Wilkinson. Yeah, yeah, you look at the four years he's been here. He's only had 11 and a half sacks, um, but this past season was his best in terms of total tackles with 98. You know, so he's gradually gotten better each year as a pro. But 
you know, I, I don't I don't blame Miami for making sure he's exactly what they want moving forward within the structure of this defense. And that's not to say he's he's a bad player. Let's face it, your top end D tackles are getting paid. They drove the salary cap up on D tackles over the last couple of years significantly. And so Miami has to make sure, okay, is this a guy we want to invest in in the future? Mm-hmm. If not, if they if they say not, I guarantee you somebody else will. There's no question about it. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, all right, so uh, let, let's just stay on the contract thing for a minute. So the, the, the Niners are saying we're absolutely not trading Nick Bosa. That's not going to happen. Right. But at the same time, Kyle Shanahan said, yeah, if I'm being honest with you, I thought we'd have a deal in place by now. Now they're still – it's not like the two sides aren't talking. They're still talking. Um, but you know, he expressed that they thought he'd have it done and he'd be in camp right now. So I, that one, I don't know, Derek, I'm not sure if he's, he's there week one or not. I'm still on the fence with that one, but this 49ers defense is still talented enough to do a lot of things without him. They're that much better with him. It's like Von Miller and Buffalo, yeah. you, you know, Buffalo's defense was good without Von Miller. They, they, are borderline great with Von Miller. You know, with Nick Bosa in there, that's a great defense. It's still a really good defense without him. It's still one of the top two or three defenses in the league. You know, you know they want him on edge. Plus, he's there from start to finish. You know, he doesn't miss many games. So I, I understand the urgency on, on both sides to try to get this thing done. But I think San Francisco's okay moving forward if they have to play a couple of games without him until they get this thing figured out. I agree with you. I do think they have that kind of depth, you know, I, whether it's other guys picking up the slack defensively or their offense, you know, scoring enough points. I, I'm, I agree with you. I think that's a sort of like wh- where I think if Chris Jones is not available for the chiefs, Derek, yeah. that's a huge, that's huge, huge story. Yep. I, I think you can survive Bosa, but so let's stay on that for a minute. So um, they're still hopeful with Chris Jones. They're using words like hopeful, but, it still feels like they're really far apart. Brett Veach and and the, yeah. and the Chiefs front office with Chris Jones. Plus, to hear from Chris Jones's camp, he doesn't care about getting fined. Yeah, he, he's basically come out and said it. He doesn't care about the fines. Yeah, you know, he, he's got enough. He's I got enough money. You know, um, this is principle with him, especially coming off another Super Bowl triumph, and, and um, obviously he understands he's a catalyst of that offense. It's not a dominant offense. It's a good offense. And it's a good offense with a lot of young players sprinkled in it, but he is that dominant factor in that offense. He understands it. Kansas City understands it. And I didn't think they would let it go this far, but because it's gone this far, I don't see Chris Jones coming off his stance, so he's not showing up until they get this thing figured out. I don't either. Like, he's a guy I'm buying. Like, I don't think this is bluster. I I think he's real, uh, you know, when it comes to this. Um, Chris Ballard, who's the Colts GM, uh, basically said, yeah, this whole situation sucks. It sucks for the team. It sucks for for Taylor. You know, it's kind of an interesting comment when, when you know, it sucks for everybody. You know, your owner kind of created this, man. Like, you know, yeah. And, and, and put fuel to the fire here with this thing. Can you imagine being Chris Ballard in the middle of this? You You can't speak out against the owner, and yet you're trying to be a comforting factor for the player. Mm-hmm. You're trying to be that middleman between the two factions. You know, the owners come out and said, we're not giving them more money, but yet as the GM, you're trying to convince them, Hey, you know, you need, you need to, you know, just come on, man, just play out the season, you know, do it for the team, the betterment of the team. And if I'm the player, I'm thinking, 
this guy's going to disrespect me like this after all I've done for this team? Even if they, even if they weren't going to pay him, never should have come out and said it, basically. You know, that's the problem. You came out and, and basically embarrassed this guy. One of the most respected running backs in the game, you came out and embarrassed him in front of his peers. And so now as a GM, you're caught in that Bermuda Triangle. You know, if I speak out against the owner, I'm not going to be here much longer. Yeah, I, I feel bad for Ballard. Like, he, look, he's he's had some whiffs too. Don't get me wrong. No question. I, there are, like, Ursay, the Bidwells, who we'll get to in a second in Arizona, and I know Snyder's at the door, but let, if you want to throw him in there, they're probably the three worst people to work for, I would yeah, think, in the league. Yeah. Just just awful. Yeah, I can't think I, I can't th- think of any other three than those three. And <laughs> they put their business out there publicly for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Yeah. We all know every team has some dirt, but they do a better job of keeping it in-house. These three, oh my goodness, football and non-football related, their business is out there in the public for everybody to see. Yeah, I mean, like Ursay from the jump was chiming in about running backs, and then it had to be public that he and Jonathan Taylor were meeting in his RV, whatever. Like, you do that stuff behind closed doors, man. And, And I don't know, ugly situation there, that's for sure. All right, speaking of, of Arizona, so Steve Wilkes, who's now the coordinator, defensive coordinator in, in San Francisco with the Niners, was formerly their head coach. And you know the lawsuit that's going on uh, with McDonough, who, who, was, who was fired, and he went after the front office, and, and he's, he's going hard. So Steve Wilkes had to give testimony yesterday, and he said he was given a burner phone to be able to communicate with Steve Keim who was on suspension because of a DUI, uh, you know, against league orders. And, you know, this furthers a, a, a lot of the stuff we're hearing about the dysfunction with the Arizona Cardinals. Didn't the Cardinals brain trust come out and say, basically, that's not true. There were no burner phones. Yep. They're in now a, former coach, now a former coach saying, Oh yes, there was. Yeah. I had one of them. Okay. This is about to get real ugly. And I think there's just a little bit, of revenge factor here or sour grapes here on Steve Wilkes Park because he was there one and done, which was unfair to him. He didn't even get a chance to get his feet wet with the organization and he was bumped out of there in a hurry. Yep. Yep. You know, so I do think there's a little, you know, it's my turn now getting back at him. Well, now he, do, can he produce that phone? That's the thing. Can he produce the phone? Yeah, that's true. I, I mean, look, if I feel like you can find records now with, with anything, you know, if there were phone calls made, but, um, Here's the thing, and I'm not even saying like Steve Wilkes is embellishing or lying or whatever, but you treat people like garbage. Yeah. You treat your employees like garbage. This stuff comes back to roost. Yes. And yeah. and whereas if you treated Steve Wilkes great, he may be less inclined to to you know, you know lay you out so to speak or whatever. I get it, he's under testimony and he's got to be honest, but I'm just saying like I think some of these folks are like, all right, guess what, man? Here comes your comeuppance. And, and, and you're about to get yours right now. Yeah. And again, yeah. it couldn't happen to a nicer, nicer front office than the, than the Arizona Cardinals. That's for sure. Well, um, this is Washington part two now, mm-hmm. so to speak, in a lot of ways. Not as devious as Washington, but bad enough. You know, I mean, that ownership has put his foot in his mouth in a lot of ways over the last few years about a, a lot of stuff. Yeah. And, you know, now. You know, people are calling in markers on, you know, former employees are calling in markers on, you know, you have to go back. How did this story all of a sudden just leak out? Why did it just leak out? Because of the way you treated past employees. Exactly. 
exactly. Uh, karma is a you know what, D gun. Yeah. All right. Uh, TJ Hawkinson, yeah. who was uh, who was traded midseason last year um, from the Lions to the Vikings, uh, is signing a four year, sixty eight point a deal that could get up to sixty eight point five million, which will reset the tight end market. Uh, that's what he wanted to do, and he did it. So yeah. he gets paid uh, the average at uh, the AAV, as they call it, the average annual value of the deal, seventeen point one. Mm. Mm. Okay, he's going to make 42.5 guaranteed, both the highest for any NFL uh, tight end. And <laughs> if I'm uh, if I'm Travis Kelsey, I'm like, uh, hey, uh, hello, Beach. I know you're talking to Chris Jones right now. You got a minute? <laughs> well, you know, when you go back to a season last year, and, and let's face it, he is one of the better tight ends in the game. The dude had 86 catches yeah. and just under a thousand yards. He's really good. He is really good. And then kudos to the Vikings for making that trade to get him away from Detroit. Yep. Um, and, and there's a situation where the, the, the Vikings identify, you know what, we're not going to mess around with this thing. We understand what you are. We understand your value to the team. We want you to be here for the long haul. We think you are an integral part of what we're trying to do, which is to overcome falling short in the second season. Mm-hmm. You're one of the building blocks of this thing, one of the, one of the cornerstones of this. And you're right. It's setting the market. It's resetting the market for tight ends. There's a whole lot of tight ends lining up talking about, okay, all right, my turn's next. Yeah. See the numbers I'm putting up, you know, and so, and no disrespect to TJ Hawkinson, but some of these guys are more accomplished than him. So we'll see what happens, uh, what happens there. All right. So a couple other, uh, other things here uh, regarding what's happening around the NFL. Uh, The Browns have voted Deshaun Watson as one of their five team captains. Uh, yeah, quite a turnaround for him considering mm. where things were. Um, so he is one of the team captains for the, uh, for the Browns to go with Joel, uh, uh, Betonio, excuse me, Betonio, Anthony Walker, Miles Garrett, uh, Charlie Hewlett are the others. So, uh, showing a little, little support and love for, uh, for Deshaun Watson. Well, you know, depending, considering what he went through, um, and now that's behind him, let's face it, the quarterback is usually one of your team captains. Yep. You know, he is considered first and foremost the front runner um, for team captains on this team. And I think that's the Browns letting the team know and him know. You know, we have faith in you that what happened in the past will not happen again. We identify you as one of the guys that everybody else gravitates towards and looks to for leadership, guidance, and support. Um, and you are one of the better players we have on this team. Let's face it. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Now he's got to wear that hat. He's got to wear the hat of being one of the highest paid players in the game and also the hat of being now one of the more stand-up guys on that team. So let's see how it plays out. Hopefully yeah. nothing else surfaces with this guy. No question. No, yeah, let's, well, let's hope for, for his sake, for sure, for the league's sake, for the Browns' sake. Uh, Brian Burns, arguably the best Panther. Uh, out of practice, Frank Reich will not say if his, his absence is contract-related. Oh, geez. Good boy. Okay. He's heading into the fifth and final year of that contract, the rookie contract. Wright called it a personal matter, and he wouldn't confirm or deny if it was contract related. It that sounded means, to me, sounded to me means, like it's contract related. related you know? <laughs> uh, interesting that he picked this particular time to, to make himself scarce. That's a way yeah. to really stick it to do it now. You're basically a week out, you know, a week and change out, and you do it now. Ooh. 
you know, yeah. I, if I'm Frank Reich, geez, I'm, already, I'm starting a rookie quarterback, and now my best defensive player is a no-show. Yeah, I don't need this right now. But very, you could tell that was strategized. I mean, he goes through training camp, goes about his business, all of a sudden gets close to the first game of the season. Um, I got other things to do right now. Yeah, you know? man. Uh, yeah. So he's got the attention of the organization. Let's see if they buckle. Yeah, that's for sure. So we'll see what ends up happening there. Uh, Josh Jacobs says no, no uh, hard feelings with the Raiders. It is what it is. Uh, you know, they stepped up. They gave me a little bit more than what that uh, franchise tag was. And, you know, we, we kind of roll from there. All right. That's well, good. He took, the, he took the Saquon approach. Yeah, he did. You know, it was about respect. Now he's got to go out and earn that money. And I'm sure it's incentive laden as well uh, to get that extra money. But, you know, basically, he appeased the, – the organization appeased him, and now he's back. He understands what, what's at hand here. Um, but moving forward, man, what an unenviable position for running backs to be in. Because even if his mindset is, if I ball out like I did last year, my rainbow, my pot of gold is at the end of the rainbow this season. That's not the case with running backs. Yeah. You know? And, and, and really anything, Derek, turns into like blood and guts. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you got to hold out and this yeah. tag and, and, and it's animosity. It's never, it feels like it's never easy, you know? And more, it's never and more importantly, for the volume of carries that he has, his body's got to hold up or the team's got to right where they want him next year. Yeah, I know. And they, they could tag him again. You yes. Know? On top of everything else, they could tag him again. Uh, Josh Dobbs will be the starter week one for the Cardinals. Good luck, my man. Let's Good see luck. here. Let, let, let's let's uh, let's just take a quick old look here at uh, Arizona. Um, let's see. So you have Josh Dobbs as your your um, your quarterback now. Yeah. Your receivers are Marquise Brown and Rondell Moore. Not bad. Not bad. It's small, but yeah, yeah. speedy. Yeah. And you got Zach Pascal, another small, speedy guy. Yeah. Um, you got a really and good. Ertz Ur- is going to be playing week one. Yeah, you, you got a really good running back in James Conner. Yep. Um, you got a pretty good offensive line. You got your two tackles, DJ Humphreys and Paris Johnson, the first round pick. And then your right guard's pretty good in Will Hernandez. Um, I'm telling you, man, I just don't see it, dude. When you look at that schedule, I'm sorry. And and I don't know if yeah, I don't know if Dobbs is the one to deliver the good, to be honest. To be yeah. honest with you, you know, this is a guy who was a habitual backup for a reason. Yeah. You know. That's a borderline. He was borderline in the league. I know. Say what you want to say about Kyler Murray, but going from Kyler Murray to Josh Dobbs, that's a significant drop off for a lot of reasons. Yeah. You know, so that team, that team is in a world of hurt right now. Yeah, it is. Uh, So yeah, that's, I'm telling you, we went through it yesterday. I, they, if they win more than three or four, I'd be shocked. Absolutely shocked. Uh, um, Jihad Ward. Now, you may not be all that familiar with him, but he was the guy who got into it on hard knocks with Aaron Rodgers. Remember, Giants linebacker? Yep. So he's not happy with the way that whole interaction was was portrayed yep. in hard knocks. It looked like it was just kind of a one-on-one thing with those two. And, you know, Rodgers at one point says to him, like, you know, I don't know who you are, man. And then he's shot back. I don't know who you are either, which we know is BS. But anyway, Ward's issue is there was a cheap shot that took place on one of his guys. Yep. And he was essentially coming to his defense and getting into it with a couple of Jets players, which I, I kind of get his point. Like, but unfortunately this is the way it goes when, when there's editing involved, my man, and you're, you're going against the star of the show. Who's Aaron Rodgers? 
Yeah, but you know, when you when you look at the play, yeah, you know, Roger throws a quick pat, quick out pass. Yeah, you know, and and Randall Cobb just cu- cu- just curls back and blindsides a guy on the outside, which yep. is illegal. And you hear Rogers going, "No, no, no!" You know, he he knows that Cobb made a mistake. He goes, yep. "You can't do that anymore." You know, this is not like five, six seasons ago. Yeah. The rules have changed. So the guy took exception to it because the guy who Cobb's hit is now in a concussion protocol. Exactly. You know, so so the guy, the defensive guy's sticking up for his player, but what he shouldn't have done is it was clear that Rogers had already released the ball, and the guy gives Rogers a two-handed shove. Yeah. Even if it was out of frustration, the quarterback is the last guy you want to hit in a situation like that. And of course, Aaron Rodgers, because the whole hard knocks revolves around everything Aaron Rodgers does and says. So, you know, here's the saying, basically, you know, they, they play up what Rodgers was saying, but they didn't tell you the whole story. That's why he's upset. He's because he's portrayed as this bad guy when all he was doing. Number one was defending this guy, you know, and then Rodgers goes back and shoves him back. And he's portrayed as the as the evil evil force in this whole thing. Well, here here's what's getting really good with this, you know, just as an outsider looking in here with, yeah. with these two. Uh, so also they're also calling it Jet Life Stadium instead of Ooh. Met Life Stadium, which, which is pissing off the Giants players, right? Ooh. Yeah. So and, and, and oh by the way, Rob, they meet in October. Correct, October 29th, week eight. That is a that's a circle job. You're you're circling that one. Uh, yeah, that's a Hatfield and McCoy special right there. It's you know it's about time. I mean, it, it, these it feels like these two teams have never been good at the same time. You know, no. But think about it. When was the last time the Jets were more relevant than the Giants? Even that's as the mediocre thing. as yeah. the Giants have been through the years. Mm-hmm. You know, and of course the Giants make the playoffs last year. The Jets don't. Yeah, you know the Giants have their quarterback. The Jets had a carousel of quarterbacks last year. Yeah, um, and now all of a sudden the Jets are really beating the chest, man. Talking about Jets, they life. are yapping a lot, aren't they? Ooh, I'm telling you, you know what? Don't let it come back and bite you because a whole lot of people are going to come down on you if you mess up this thing. Yeah, I'm telling you, man. You you are. Hey, look, maybe that's part of the plan here, but you feels like you're setting yourself up a little bit here. If you're that's that, awesome. Jets, uh, Jets Life Stadium, that's awesome, dude. Yeah. I think it was, I think it was really like Sterling Shepard was like, really? All right. You know, yeah, one of those deals. But uh, uh, Jalen Ramsey will start the year on the IR. He's coming back from that injury. So, yeah. yeah, that's a that's certainly a hit for the Dolphins. That's for sure that he won't be uh, he won't be ready to roll. Uh, all right. I thought you would appreciate this. I was surprised by this. So Joe Montana was asked who he yeah. thinks the greatest quarterback ever is. I, I mean, I don't know that he was going to sit there and say it's me. But I thought he'd probably go Brady or or maybe him or, or I, I don't know. He he said Dan Marino. Now mm. I'm not surprised. Look, anybody who watched Marino play, and we both saw Marino play. Yes. He was unbelievable. Okay. He was straight up unbelievable. It's a shame he never won a Super Bowl, you know, through through no fault of his own. The guy was incredible. But Brady's or uh, Montana's justification was. Marino played in an era where you could bump a receiver yes. where quarterbacks got killed after they threw the ball. And he still put up the kind of numbers that you see this day and age. Uh, he said, if he played now with that quick release with a cannon for an arm that he had uh, with bigger receivers, he said, you know, Namath was playing with Duper and Clayton who were smaller guys. 
he said he would set the league on fire. And you know what? When you think about it from that perspective, I don't disagree with him. I agree 100%. You could do a lot more clutching and grabbing of receivers back then. And and, and, and Marino was, was a gunslinger back in the day. Yeah. You know. Did you know his completion percentage is less than 60%? No, I didn't. For his career? No. His entire career, one, two, three, four, five. His entire career that he played in Miami, he only had five seasons where he completed 60% or better percent of his passes. Hmm. That's I, I had no idea. Yeah. You know, but you're right. You know, quarterbacks took a more severe beating back in his day. Um, and there was a lot more thugging. More like a lot more thugging going on back then. You basically could could could, could Brahma bull wrestle receivers back in that day compared yeah. to now. You can't even touch receivers nowadays, right? Yeah, so it was a much different game. I'm not going to say he was the best of all time, but I will say this: I do think he would have tore this league up had Dan Marino played in this league uh, now. Yeah, like I, I think both things can be true. I, I think it's true what you just said, and I think what my like for me. I'd probably go Brady Montana one two. Uh, Marino falls into into that next realm where, wherever whatever it is. Um, but yeah, had he played, had he been drafted thirty years later, I, I mean, it would have been odd. It, it would have been, and he was look, he was spectacular anyway. But it's uh, that's always a fun debate, you know, the the, the quarterback debate. Um, oh, there's a lot, a lot yeah. of different ways you could go with that. You yeah, know? absolutely, um, that's for sure. All right, let's uh, let's get a timeout in here, Derek. Let's come back and we will dig a little bit deeper. I'll tell you about something that ha- that happened last night that set a world record. Uh, number one, I I didn't I wouldn't have seen it coming, but it, but it's pretty cool. Uh, but a bunch of other things that we'll get into. We'll circle back to the Eagles as well. Some impressions of practice today. Do all those kind of things when we come back. Don't go anywhere. That's Derek Gunn. I am Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take. We'll be right back. company and you're not producing a podcast you're missing out the public consumes messaging when they're ready join the professional podcast network of companies and let jacob media partners put you in the podcast arena come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast call jacob media right now at 267-261-3428 Heading down the shore Have a ball once more Here, imaginations run wild And time stands still Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore All on one five-mile island So leave the old you behind And get lost in the woods
and save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. segment of the show we appreciate you being with us uh we are sports take jacob sports youtube network if you missed any of the uh, show any of our shows just go to jacob sports uh com jacob sports youtube channel all right derek this was pretty cool man um so nebraska women yeah their their, their women's volleyball team uh played omaha last night at memorial stadium yeah they had ninety two thousand three people there 92,003 that set the world record not not just the U.S. or college it's the most people that have ever viewed in person a women's volleyball game and you know the Nebraska team's really good etc I, I don't know if, how, if you saw any of the video of it it was unbelievable it was unbelievable did you, many, did you see how many people were on the field not just the stands did you see how many people were on the field around the volleyball pit yeah it was it was insane, dude. The intro was awesome. They come out, smoke the whole. Th- yeah. I mean, it was like it was in- the production of it was insane. You know, but kudos to to finally women's a women's sport outside of college basketball getting some notoriety and respect because for so long women's sports in college have been neglected. Yeah, um, and on a back burner uh, in a lot of ways. I mean, you think about women's softball doesn't get any notoriety until they get to the college world series, you know, um, the college basketball season even doesn't really start picking up an interest until it gets to the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. But for the fact that 92,000 showed up for this volleyball game, dude, that's awesome, man. I, I love cool. seeing stuff like that. It's very cool. It was, it was, it was a really cool event. Like I, I was, I'm flipping around. I stayed with it. And then I watched the, you know, some of the highlights. Uh, it was just cool. It, I'm, I'm with you. I'm glad. I love seeing that kind of stuff. Uh, all right. A couple other things we didn't get a chance to get to Th- this one, Derek, one to keep your eye on too. Uh, commander's defensive end, Chase Young. They're not sure if he's going to play the opener. He's got a yeah. stinger right now. Yeah. Um, and he hasn't been cleared yet by the doctors, man. This kid's had a lot of injury issues in his short career. Now, now you see why they didn't pick up his fifth year option. He's in a two a spot. Like you got to show us. Yeah, yeah. He lost all of last year with that devastating knee injury. You know, never was quite the same. Uh, and now he's got the stinger on the shoulder. Uh, if he when he's right, man, he is a phenomenal young talent. Yeah, there's no question. I mean, he is a nonstop monster off the edge when he's healthy. But you know what? You can't help the team if you can't play. Yeah, you can say that. And you're right. I saw that story this morning, man. And they're talking about. Not just the first game; they don't know when he might be ready. Yeah, the, the, he. It's not just that he's sore, but the the medical people are like, uh, uh-uh, uh, not yet. He's not ready. Yeah, that hurts. Front. Yeah, and they need him too. 
I, we mentioned this in passing, but let, let's give her a little love here. Julie Ertz uh, announced, announced her retirement. Um, she was a two-time World Cup winner. Uh, she played for Angel City uh, Football Club. But uh, And we kind of knew this. She sort of hinted at this after the World Cup when the U.S. was eliminated. But uh, she finishes her international career with 122 appearances for the U.S. She scored 20 goals. She was part of two World Cup winning sides in 15 and 19. I mean, she was just a sensational player for Team USA. She's 31 years old. It's it's a shame her last hurrah went out the way it did with the World Cup team, bowing out unexpectedly the way they did. But what an illustrious career. You know, and and I've had a chance to interview her a couple of times. Just a great person, you know. And she's married to a great person also as well. You know, and it's time for her to move on. I'm sure they want to put more emphasis on family and things like that. Obviously, I need the money. That's for sure. Yeah. You know, Um, and so kudos for her, you know. You know, nothing lasts forever, and she had her run. She won her two World Cups and go down in history as one of the greatest soccer player women, soccer players ever. Yep. You know, and now it's time for her to move on in life. And I'm sure she'll be approached by so many different things outside of this, the realm of soccer. You know, she's not going to be hurting for having uh, things that, that pique her interest. No, you'll, you'll, I'm sure anybody who's smart will grab her up to do analyst work if, she, if she's interested yep. in that, you know, et cetera, so. Uh, the guardians, I mean, you remember yesterday, Derek, we talked about all the, all the players, the angels put on waivers. Oh yeah. Which is crazy because you, guys were playing yesterday and hurting the Phillies getting yeah, hits yeah. and home runs. And they're on waivers. Yeah. yeah. So Lucas Giolito, uh, is one of them. Uh, he has been claimed, uh, along with, uh, Matt Moore and, and right-hander Reynaldo Lopez. The guardians claimed all of those guys. What? Uh, yeah. Two other angels, uh, Hunter Renfro was claimed by the Reds and Dominic Leone by Seattle. So they all got swallowed up. W- one of the reasons that's kind of interesting from Cleveland's standpoint is, I mean, they're 64 and 70 and they're five yeah. back yeah. of the of the AL Central. Um, and you look at them in the wild card, they're, they got a long way to go in the wild card too. Like, I don't know. I mean, I guess, I guess you could pull off five back at this point. It's not, you're not completely dead, but. Well, you, you still have a whole month of baseball to play. And yeah. obviously wild card is out of the question. When you look at how that, that AL East is stacked up and yeah. then you look at the AL West also. Um, I th- I think all the wild card teams are going to come out of those two divisions. I agree with you. So Cleveland is thinking, Hey, look, we have a month of baseball left. We have over 20 something games left. Yeah. We can still catch Minnesota. Minnesota's not a dominant team. No. Minnesota's only four games over 500. Yeah. No, nobody's nobody's running away there, I, I don't think. No. I don't think Minnesota's good enough to run away. So, yeah, they got a shot. They got a and shot. Then, and then, of course, also, is this going to be Terry Francona's last hurrah? Correct. With yeah, he's, he's all but said it. Like He's, he's done. done. Yeah. He's done. Yeah. So, yeah. if this is Francona's last hurrah, I'm sure he wants to try to go out in a blaze of glory. Yeah. And yeah, as we've sense. seen, hey, just get to the next season – Anything and everything could possibly happen. Yeah. So they made some great, good additions. I mean, the players that were that they picked up are going to be great additions for that team. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and then look, maybe you look at it like you make a run if you could somehow get in, even if you get bounced early. At least the guy got a taste of what it was like to play for your organization. Maybe that's a little bit of an advantage that you would have, you know, once he hits free agency or something yeah. like that. But, you know, we'll see. Um, I mean, right now, the Guardians have won two in a row. Minnesota's lost two in a row. Yeah. You never know. You yeah. just never know. No, you're right. The um, 
Tyreek Hill will not be punished, Derek, for that. Remember that incident at the marina, whatever. Yeah, I think, I think he ended up settling with the guy, and <laughs> guy claims he hit him. I, I don't know, but anyway, he's not going to be punished by the NFL. So the Dolphins, I'm, are, I'm sure, are breathing a little bit of sigh of relief there. I thought that issue was settled weeks ago. It was settled uh, court-wise and civilly. It wasn't. Goodell hadn't chimed in yet on whether anything was going to go down in terms of a suspension. Okay. I think a lot of that was he said, she said, when it came to the whole incident, you know, both sides are appeased. And the league said, you know, there's nothing there's nothing they can really do. You know, it's not like he bloodied somebody, pushed them off a pier or anything like that. Yeah. You know, so, you know what? Good. Good for him. Yeah. Uh, all right. So uh, if you look at him last year, so he had 1,700, he had 1,710 uh, receiving yards on 119 receptions, seven yards uh, seven touchdowns, excuse me, 14.4 yards per catch. He claims he's getting to 2,000 this year. I was just about to ask you. That's tough. Right. Here's why it's tough, because Waddle is so good. And is Tua playing? Who's throwing mm-hmm. him the ball? That, and he still did it last year with Tua missing a lot of time. So yeah, he did. Uh, I'm going to say he doesn't do it, but I'm going to – but. I think he's still going to be pretty close numbers-wise to what he had last year. Well, considering the inconsistency of the quarterback play, he still had 119 receptions. Yeah. Waddle only has 75. Look yet at Waddle's, Waddle's yard per catch. Is ridiculous. Y- 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 uh, Waddle averaged 18 yards per catch. Yeah. Compared to Tyreek, 14-4. Exactly. I'm not, I'm not going to bet, bet against Tyreek Hill in this regard. I mean, there's a lot of stake here. Tua wants to get paid. Has to show people that he's not concussion, you know, uh, concussion prone. So I, I think he he's motivated. Tyreek Hill puts it out there. I want two thousand yards. He's motivated. This team has has been talked about, but not as much as Buffalo, and of course not as much as the Jets. This team has a chip on its shoulder. They have the firepower on both sides of the football to combat everybody in their division and everybody they face this year. Yeah. So. If, if, if Tyreek had 119 catches this year, and we've seen receivers get 140 catches. Who's to say he won't get 100, 140? Mm-hmm. He had 170 targets. Yeah, he, he was second in the NFL in catches. Jefferson had, had 128, but he was second. <laughs> I'm not I'm not going to bet against Tyreek Hill in this situation. Yeah, no. I'm with you. I mean, look, he, so you if you look at the big boys, could Jefferson do it? Yeah, I think Jefferson could do it. Uh, Tyreek Hill, yeah. Devontae Adams is at the mercy of Jimmy G and, you know, whether he yeah. can play the whole year or whatever. Um, I don't like, I think the rest of them, AJ Brown, we talked about a little bit earlier. He had almost 1500, but he, he does have Devontae Smith next to him. Yeah. yeah. You know, Stefan Diggs, eh, maybe he can, maybe he could do it. Mm. You know, that's tough. That's a lot of yards, man. It's a lot of yards. It, it is. But if there's one player who can achieve it, it's, it's that dude, Tyreek Hill. Yeah. You know, this dude, you, you you get you throw him a seam route, you can't catch him. You give him an open space. If you have if he has the angle on you, you don't catch him. You know, there's very few receivers, even the fastest of the fastest, very few that, that you can't catch at some point. This dude, if he gets a ray of daylight, you don't catch him. Yeah. And so I think he's going to have a lot of big game-breaking plays this season, even more so than last year. All right, let me uh, let me hit you with this, and I meant to ask you this earlier, and I didn't get to it. And, and everybody want to jump in on the uh, on the chat as well. If you had to describe the Eagles' season 
in one word, mm-hmm. what would it be? Or your Conf- feelings on the Eagles season in one word? Confident. That's a good one. Confident would be my, my the first word that comes to mind. Um, even with the transition of coaching coaches on both sides of the football, uh, a lot of new personnel on the defensive side, that offense is still intact. The training staff and the doctors did an incredible job keeping this team for the most part healthy at for most of the season and of course into the into the playoffs. Right. I don't see any reason why. And as we know, you know, you can go through a season unscathed one year and all of a sudden you can't sidestep line landmines the next season. Mm-hmm. I feel good about the coaching staff um, putting these players in the right position to make plays, especially in the offensive side of the ball. I feel good about the health and durability of the players based on the training staff and, 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 the, and the doctors associated with the Eagles. Um, and even with that tough schedule, I still feel confident about this team. Number one, winning the division, and number two, going deep into the playoffs in the NFC. I would say anticipation. I, okay. I'm so – like, again, I'm, I'm really happy that we're – we're here now and we're heading into next week is, is look ahead. I'm, 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 I'm thrilled, but it's been a long slog this off season. You know, when you lose by three in a super bowl and you felt like you should have won the game and you had made yep. a couple mistakes yep. that just, they're going to you know haunt you until you win it. It, 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 it makes the weight that much harder. Um, yep. And, and yep. what's the old line, the waiting is the hardest part, you know? So I think, I think for me, it's just like, let's go, you know, anticipate, and I'm, I'm ready for the season to start, man. I, I am really ready for the season to start. That's me. That's where I'm at. I, I am too. I'm tired of talking about meaningless games, meaningless joint practices. Yes. Um, you know, fall is upon us. Nothing I can do about it. Can't turn back the clock. My summer's almost well, chilly this morning in our area, d But did you see what the temperature's like starting on 80 oh, on, on I, Sunday? I purposely look. In fact, yes. 88 on Sunday and in the 90s for three consecutive days, Monday through Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, you're going to love this. Actually, we're getting into the 90s on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, 89, yes. Wednesday, 90, Thursday, and you know, 86, 84 for the following weekend. So and I will be basking in the glow of all of it, knowing that those days are soon to leave us, my friend. <laughs> a fall, is, fall is knocking at the door, yeah. waiting for his turn to arrive. I and know. so I'm going to soak in every ray of warm sun that I can on my body. I told you, I, I noticed the other day, it was like six thirty, seven o'clock starting at dark. I'm like, no, 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 no. We can't have this. We yeah, can't yeah, have this. Yeah. It's too soon. All right. Let's do some birthdays. You ready? Oh, let's bring them up. My brother, Chris Tucker, Chris Tucker is 52 years old today. So happy birthday to Chris. Dude, Tucker. I've told you a number of times that scene in, in rush hour three, <laughs> When he's at the dojo and he's asking a guy his name and he said, who? who? He said, no, I'm asking you, who you? Yeah. My name is who? Who? You? Well, what's his name? Me. Not me. I'm, t- I'm going to whoop everybody in here. I'm going to whoop you, me, everybody in here. Dude, that outside of, uh, outside of uh, Laurel and Hardy's who's on first, what's on second? Dude, that is the funniest stick of a movie I've seen in a long, long time. Yeah. That is that is a good one. All right, so have Chris Tucker. Have you seen that one? I have, I have. I know the scene you're referring to. Yeah. And every now and great. then it pops up on on yeah. on, on a Twitter feeds, yep. Facebook feeds, Instagram feeds. That's still, I'll sit there and laugh like it's the first time I've seen it. 
I, I'm with you. All right. Um, Richard Gear. Yep. Richard Gear, 74 years old. He grew up in Philadelphia. I, ever tell you about my, my Richard Gear encounter? No. It wasn't much of an encounter. So I was um, I was doing uh, middays at, at a radio station to be named. Anyway. And um, I'm doing breakfast on broad and I'm going right for breakfast on broad where I got off the air at nine o'clock and then it was on the radio. So I had to get from South Philly to Ballot Kenwood and be on the air at 10 o'clock. Okay. So it was always dicey getting out of there and in traffic and all this other crap. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm hustling. I get out of my car. Uh, it, it's like nine, it's like nine fifty AM and I'm on in 10 minutes. Okay. And I'm like half jogging, you know, speed walking to try to get from where I parked to where the studio is. And I see, I see this big, really nice, like Lincoln town car, black one, you know, so I'm thinking, all right, there's probably somebody here. And there's like, there's a, there's a driver and the whole thing. Like, all right, this guy comes walking like out towards me. And as I'm getting closer, I'm like, that's Richard gear. This is, this is like eight years ago. Right. And I'm like, and he looks at me. I look at him. I, didn't, I I'm never one that like, Hey, Richard, biggest fan, you know, or yeah, let's get right, a picture. Right. I don't do that guy. So I was right. just going to like, not even bother. Right. So I just, and we just had to catch eyes and he, and he gave me one of the, he goes, I'm like, and he just <laughs> smiled and he got in the car. <laughs> it's like, all right. All right, Richard. Thanks, man. Good acknowledgement. That was it. Short and sweet. So you you so you were real smooth. You were like Rico Suave with the head nod. Is that I, it? he gave it to me first? So then I went with it. So it was cool. He was cool. He was just like, nice. all right, I see you. I got you. Thanks for not bugging me. I'm getting right in my car, and you have a good day, dude. That's what he. That's Is that your did. 15 seconds of fame? That was it. That was it. Richard Gear. <laughs> Richard Gear head nod. Uh, Sarah Ramirez, the actress, is 48 years old today. Uh, Grey's Anatomy, other stuff. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald, one of my all-time favorite athletes. Uh, Same is, here. He's 40, man. Class act, great player. Gave you everything he had every second he was on the field. Uh, yes. Couldn't be a bigger fan. Than, than it's a shame he never won a Super Bowl. He got the one, but never won one. And shame. he was great in the one. Yeah, he was. If, if anybody deserved to hoist that Lombardi trophy, it was Larry Fitzgerald. Such yeah. a great ambassador to the organization and to a lot of con- community service projects, both locally and nationally. Yeah. You know, so – and he put a lot of money into like kids programs and stuff and and, and, and school programs and things of that ma- nature. Yeah. You know, you're right. He's just a consummate professional, great human being. The best, the best. Uh, James Coburn, the actor, was born on this day, 1928. Uh, the great singer Van Morrison was born on uh, 78 years old today. And he is 78. Debbie Gibson, uh, the, the teen idol in the 80s, is 53 yeah. now, Debbie Gibson. Uh, Buddy Hackett, the old uh, actor comedian, is uh, was born on this day, nineteen twenty four. It's Zach Perlman is seventy eight years old, the uh, the composer. Char Jackson, the actress, is forty six today. The great Frank Robinson won an MVP in both leagues. Uh, Derek Gunn mm-hmm. is was born on this day in nineteen thirty five. Jalen Brunson, Jalen yep. Brunson, Villanova's own, uh, now playing for Team USA. He is uh, celebrating his 27th birthday today. Tom Coughlin. A lot of people uh, trying to put a push on for him uh, to be in the actual Hall of Fame. He is 77 today. The Hall of Famer, your estimation? Oh, that's that's a tough one. That's debatable. I mean, he gave a lot to the game. Won uh, a couple, right? Won, won a couple, yeah. yeah. 
Um, did a great job in Jacksonville the first time around? I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. It's, it's a push. It's debatable. There's arguments for both sides, but I'm going to I'm going to lean towards yes. Yeah. All right. Uh, I, 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 I'm going to say yes, too. And unfortunately, he might be one of those guys who gets in, you know, later when he's when he's not around or posthumously or whatever. But we'll see. Yeah. Marsha Clark, the attorney famous for the O.J. Simpson trial, is 70 years old today. Uh, Ernie Shavers, the, the old boxer was born on this day in 1944. He, Derek, he was known as having one of the hardest punches in the history of boxing. Ernie. Shavers. Yes. Yeah. And, 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 and Muhammad Ali admitted it, you know, yep. after his career that he had never been harder than he had been hit by Ernie Shavers. Yep. Ernie Shavers was, uh, was uh, not a dude you wanted to, to be, uh, messing with. Um, who else do we have here? Uh, Padraig Harrington, the golfer. Yep. He is 52 years old. Edwin Moses, the great hurdler, yep. uh, is 68 years old today. Won two uh, golds in the 84 Olympics. Yep. Oh, he was incredible in 80, 84 in L.A. Yeah, he, he was he was there. Desmond Ritter, Falcons quarterback, 24 years old um, today. Anything I missed? Any, any, uh, any on your list? Jim Fossil, former NFL coach, 74 on this day. Nice. Uh, Christian Kersey just got cut by Houston. He's already been put on the Bills practice squad, 31. Uh, remember, the basketball guru, Pete Newell, yeah. was born on this day in 1915. Uh, Scott Niedermeyer, former NHL player, four-time Stanley Cup champion, born on this day. Uh, but no, he's 50 years old today. Hmm. How did you miss this one, Rob? You know what? I should take away your Philadelphia fandom. Who did Phil Martelli, 69 today. Oh, Phil, happy birthday, my man. How'd you miss Phil, man? That's weak. That's a bad job out of me. Uh, the great actor Richard Bay- Basehart was born on this day in 1914. Stephen McKinley Henderson uh, was in a movie, great movie, Fences, was also in a comedy movie, Tower Heist, Yep, 74 today. Uh, Larry Hankin, who was in Escape from Alcatraz and Billy Madis- Madison. He's a funny guy. You see his yeah, face, you know who he is. Yeah. Uh, Mark L. Wahlberg, not the Mark Wahlberg you're thinking, but Mark L. Wahlberg, uh, Wahlberg who's the TV host for that show, uh, what was it, Temptation Island? Yeah, yep. Uh, it's 61 today. Mm-hmm. Uh, great radio and TV host, a pioneer in TV and radio, Arthur Godfrey. Yeah. was born on this day in 1903. And Zach Ward, who was in all these crazy movies like Jason versus Freddy, Resident Evil, Apocalypse Now, Transformers. What a what a wide wide range of, of, of roles. Yeah, um, uh, was born on this day. Okay, all right. Uh, movies again, they're not great. The Constant Gardener, two thousand five. One of the the redos of Halloween from yeah. two thousand seven. Uh, you got anything else? I didn't see much else, man. Uh, that's it. I'm okay. good. All, right. all right, this is interesting. So there's a record prize for the twenty twenty two World Poker Tour Championship. Yeah. Get get a load of this. Forty million dollars is the price. Oh, oh my goodness! Pre- previous record is fifteen that was set last year, but they got it up to twenty five now, or four, uh, twenty five million. It's at total of forty. That is does, crazy. Does ESPN still televise this thing, uh, Derek? I couldn't watch that. I'd rather I'd rather not have the TV on. I find it, and I, I'm not a big card player, so maybe that plays into it. I I, I find it so uninteresting. I will say this through the years, and I'm not I'm not a I'm not a gambler, but I will say this through the years, and I'm saying over the last 10, 12 years, you know, there have been times because it's always on like on a Saturday or Sunday. Yeah. And there have been so many times when I've just been channel surfing, and 
all of a sudden I'll see it and I'll watch it for like five minutes. I have no idea why, but you look at the faces of the players. I mean, stone cold, they don't give anything away. Right. And you got guys sitting there doing play by play and announcing, you know, and I'm, and I, I don't know why it intrigues me every time for about five minutes. And then, and then it's like, okay, I said, I'm done. And I'll turn away. Yeah. Um, I, I love watching people play poker, the strategy behind it. Um, I would never sit down at the table and play. I'd give everything away though. Sure. No, I believe me. I get it. So the, apparently there was a big surge Derek during the pandemic uh, poker. The, so the interest has really risen. And that's one of the reasons there's more people involved. Like this year's World Series poker set multiple records, including 10,043 entries into just the main event. What? Yeah. It, it had a, a non guaranteed prize pool of 93.3 million, a record Jeez. 77 events in the World Series of poker had a million dollar prize pool. So naturally, there's, there's more people involved. Um, so I guess it's the, the pandemic, it, it made a big comeback. You know, the thing is, if it, if it really started to peak during the pandemic, how is that possible when nobody was allowed to be in the same room with each other back then? I guess you virtually. I, I, can you do I, that? I don't I would play poker virtually. I don't know. How do you, how do you, yeah. Do you deal you hands with not people? cheating? Yeah, I yeah. don't know. How online? Do I mean, there's a lot of online poker, right? Is, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe. I, I don't you know. You got me, man. I don't know. I, I That's one thing. You, you couldn't have people together, but you also... I was going to say too, like you had a lot of people who maybe weren't working. I guess the, the not working thing means you can play, but it means you might not have any money. I, I don't, whatever. I don't know. I don't, I don't pretend to, to understand or live in that world, man. I don't know, but, but good for them. And that's a yeah. lot of money. Yeah. That is a lot of money. All right. So uh, here's what we have. Philly's back at it tomorrow. It's uh, about to go down. It's going to be a biggie. It's going to be a big, yeah. Philly's back at it tomorrow. Uh, Eagles continue their preparations for the Patriots uh, that line staying at three and a half, Derek, it was five. Initially it's three and a half uh, for the Eagles. All right, Rob, Patriots. you know me. Why is it dropping? Why is the line dropping? We're still 10 days away. Why did, and you mentioned this yesterday. So 11 days away from the game, the line went from a solid five. Now it's down to three and a half. Why is that line? I dropped? wonder. I wonder if it's a belief that Bill O'Brien's going to get a little bit out of uh, out of Mac Jones. I think so. That's. I agree. I think that's what's what it is. Yeah, you know, I think it's a little bit of faith on, on that end, and how hard it is on the other end to repeat. You know, and and the, the fact that it's Brady night. I, I don't know. I mean, all those things could come into play. If it drops to two and a, I don't think it's going to drop all the way to two and a half, by the way, I think it might actually go up to four, but if it drops to two and a half, that's essentially, you know, what you give the home team. So I don't, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens there with that line. So anyway, and see, and see dynasty two fifteen, just, you know, said what you said simultaneously about Brady night. I get that. Yeah. You know, the stadium is going to be electric. The team is going to be jacked. They're at home. First game of the season against the Super Bowl runner up. And so it's going to be a major adrenaline rush that first quarter. Yeah. But after that first quarter, it's about football. Making plays versus stopping the team from making plays. Mm -hmm. And when you look at it on paper, I just think the Eagles can stop New England's offense from making plays a lot more. As good as New England's defense is, but I think the, the Eagles' defense can stop New England's offense from making plays more so than New England's defense can stop that Eagles' offense from making plays. All right, well, we'll continue to I talk about it tomorrow. All right, uh, I want to thank Tone to Shields. Tone, great job producing the yeah, program. Tone, appreciate thank you, you, bro. Thank you, Tone. 
Thanks, everybody in the chat section, everybody streaming, everybody listen. Listen, don't go anywhere. Uh, today, we have Mark Farzetta and Bill Colarulo on the National Football Show from 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern. Okay, so Mark and Bill have got you on the National Football Show coming up for the next two hours. All right, Derek and I uh, will be running it back tomorrow at the same time. We're looking forward to I hanging out with you. Me. That's Bye. it. All right, Gunner, good job, my friend. I will Bye see you. My brother. See you tomorrow. Everybody have a great Thursday. Thanks for hanging out with us. We are Sports Take. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.